PSVR 2 gets new competition. Hideo Kojima can't strand not being on the Mac. Brett's gone, so uh, hello and welcome to episode 309 of Triangle Squared, which is the episode for this week. Uh, I'm I love Chris, how all I did. And this is, this is, this is my co-host, Brett the Bruise Canoe, back. <laughs> you brought him back! I did. I, I, I brought back the bruise. Well, Chris, I'll tell you, I, I was originally going to cut this part while I went and turned my headphones down because I realized they were a little too loud. <laughs> oh. um, but you did such a killer job opening the show that I oh, think thanks. it would be a crime against humanity to cut that out. Oh, God. <laughs> so instead, I'll leave it there and uh, pick up where you left off and say, what are you up to, Chris? <laughs> um, how, you, how have you been? I've been okay. How about you? Let the listeners know. Ready to go home? Not gonna lie to you, it's been a long time. Yeah, you getting tired of the of Texas? Are are it's, you just are you just tired of not having the amenities of home, the comfort? Yeah, I just miss my car. This would be a lot better if I had a car. But I've it's crazy that there are people that live in many places. Yeah, where not having a car is completely normal. But that is such a crazy idea. I, I don't know, if, know, but it's for here. I'm. <laughs> just i'm like a mile away from not needing a car you know what i mean because i'm right outside of austin but i can't you know it's not it's right i need a car in this area like i'm in the backwoods <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you um didn't even yeah, have the decency to put you up inside of austin <laughs> no <laughs> well the uh the theater is not even in in austin it's just like the area i'm in it's in lantana i don't know if you know where that is but I do not, but I can tell you this much. Texas is massive, mm-hmm. uh, so there are a number of very oddly named cities and towns. Yeah. Well, that's like the worst part is like I can't even take advantage of being here where it's like you couldn't – we couldn't hang out because you're what, like six hours away from me or something like that? And it's just like, okay, well, I'm just trapped yeah. in this hotel room. Like the only thing I'm going to miss – is that every day after I leave work, I jump in the pool. It's super dope. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty that, cool. Other than that, <clears throat> I'm ready to go. I want to come back, but I'm ready to go. Well, maybe when you come back, you can get come back closer to me. <laughs> and yeah. then I can, like, you know, be like, hey, I'm going to go see Chris for the weekend. Right. Or something. Exactly. You know what I mean? But. That's not happening in six hours, you know? No, absolutely. I wouldn't expect it to. Because I remember we talked about it. I'm like, yeah, maybe we can record a show. And then I told you I was in Austin. You're like, no. Not <laughs> happening not at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. Speaking of six hours, I guess now is a good time as any to uh, go ahead and break the news to everyone before we get going into the rest of the show. Um, I, it sounds like Chris and I have landed on there not being an episode next week. And this comes down to me being on vacation with my family uh, around the time that we record. So I'm going to be out and uh, I'm going to be going to Galveston, which is about five to six hours from where I'm at right now. Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, if you're still if you're still in Austin, you won't be. I, I'm going to be more like under Houston, mm-hmm. which is still a bit from you, to be fair. Yeah, so uh, but, you know, maybe I can sneak away for. <laughs> a little bit yeah i want to go to but Houston, it sounds like you're going to be going home 
Yeah, I leave um, Wednesday is when I fly out, and I have Tuesday off. So they wanted me to work on Tuesday, and I was like, no. It's like I'm not working on Tuesday. Well, if I wasn't already driving six hours on Tuesday, I might say I could scooch away. I mean, if you want to drive to Houston or make a way there, (laughs) (laughs) then, uh, yeah, we can make that happen. But anyway, yes, no episode next week as we'll both be kind of traveling and and not really have a good time or way to go about recording. So we're going to take a break. Let all the fun stuff of Summer Games Fest and the Xbox conference happen. Have a good time. We'll come back. We'll talk to you guys about it. See what we thought about it whenever we've had time to catch up. I am looking forward to vacation. Mm. Not the driving part. I hate driving for that long. Yeah, but it sucks. You know, at least the end destination is a beach, so that's, that's fun. Oh, exciting. Yep. So... With that out of the way, we are going to very soon get into a pretty light week. There's not a whole lot going on. A lot happened in the VR world this past week with Apple and Meta kind of coming up and showing what their next foot into that market is. And, of course, Apple's first toe into that market. Very expensive toe, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, That brings us some new PSVR 2 games alongside that, um, as well as Kojima showing up in a weird spot. But, you know, it's... Where you Kojima shows up where you least expect him, so it's okay. Uh, Square Enix kind of giving us a little bit of information about Final Fantasy VII and possibly the weirdest way ever, and a little bit more. But we're going to start to show off in the time honored way of uh, checking in with Chris. So if you're new to the show, this is how we always check in. Give us a chance to talk about games we've been playing. Uh, maybe help us discover games that we might like, or help you discover games you might like. So Chris, go ahead and gloat for a minute about <laughs> your your platinum. <laughs> Yeah, so I have finished Bioshock Infinite. I got the platinum last night. This is very exciting. It's, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna say this. And I don't mean to disparage anybody. This is, I don't think this is a value judgment on your platinums, but there was in my head it felt significantly different than other platinums I've gotten mm-hmm. getting this platinum because it was mm-hmm. so goddamn hard. Like, okay, that's a little bit of uh, excessive because I've said in the Discord, the game on 1999 mode was incredibly easy until it just wasn't. <laughs> so, like, handy men were killer um, until I realized that Murder of Crows distracted him and you could just do that over and over again. Um, Murder of Crows was hard. Really. It was so much fun. As love, we talked love about Murder last week. Murder of Crows, yep. Um, the Lady Comstock, that part was fucked. I don't know if I would have gotten through it if the the part in the graveyard hadn't glitched. Because the worst part is on 1999 mode, you if you die, you come back with partial health, but the enemies come back with full health. <laughs> so there would be some times where I'm waiting for my shield to buff up, and then I get hit and die, and Lady Comstock is like almost dead. But then the the thing that really fucks with you is the resources in the area continue depleting (laughs) so it would get to a point where i would die and then all my ammo is now gone we get i just couldn't get past it anymore yeah um so yeah it it felt really good to get that platinum that was really nice um i'll go back to to it for burial at sea and clash in the clouds i want to pull that 100 percent off um yeah uh, 119 platinum spashock infinite phenomenal game love it yeah, there's something about difficult platinums that are very rewarding. Like all platinums feel good. Yeah. 
but they're all rewarding. This is an interesting time to bring up that article that we kind of talked about a little bit in the Discord, uh, which if you want to join, feel free. It's always in the, linked in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services. That's where we kind of do our day-to-day talking and interact with everybody. And I posted that I'd found this uh, article about Xbox going in and deleting an achievement and redistributing the gamer score amongst the rest of the achievements uh, and how that set an interesting precedent that at least as far as I'm aware of has not been done. Um, no, and then so. how that might play in the trophies. And the reason I bring that up, Chris is kind of playing to your thing. I was thinking about how can you, how can you fix stuff like that for games that are genuinely broken? I think you brought one up that was like a uh, future war. Tom Clancy's end war. End war. Uh, so yeah, there, there are plenty of games that just have broken platinums that no one's ever gone back in and fixed. And you kind of just deal with it. A lot of people are having that right now with Jedi Survivor where the uh, bounty hunters thing is just fucked. And apparently Mm -hmm. there's zero way for you to go about fixing it. And as far as I've seen, there's not been any word from Respawn about fixing it or even bringing it up, even though many people have had the issue. So at what point would it be reasonable for Sony to come in and go, hey, we're going to delete that trophy because you refuse to make it right. And then... The question that came up there is like, well, how, what does that do to the value of people who got the trophy before that? Because that platinum was obviously harder to do for them than it would be for someone else. Mm-hmm. And it made me think like, you know, true trophies is a really interesting idea. But I really thought like, what if one of these days we end up having an achievement slash trophy system where it's, <laughs> it combines gamer score and, um, trophies in a way where you still you still earn a platinum, you still get that, but you also get points per platinum. And then if someone deletes a point or someone deletes a trophy or has to do something to get rid of it because it's not working, then the people who earned it prior to that still end up with more of a score or maybe their platinum is retroactively made more rare by the ability to say it's tied to this trophy that no longer exists. Um because, you know, there's the rarity system on both of these right now. But I don't yeah. feel like they really do a great job of explaining how rare they truly are. And there's no real value to that rarity. It's just telling you, hey, it's rare. But Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing because I, I do fall in the camp of I don't love – I wouldn't love, like, you making my platinum less valuable. Like, I always talk about how – not less valuable, that's weird, but – I've always mentioned how I got the platinum in Watch Dogs when the like knife game was really difficult, and then they patched it to make it significantly easier. So that platinum is significantly easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not like mad at it, but I know it's one of those things where like I know that I did it the hard way, and you did not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, it's fine. It's we still got both got the platinum in Watch Dogs and have to do everything else and suffer through that game. But, you know, it's the same thing where I've said, like, your near platinum is worth more than someone who bought all the trophies. But at the same time, your platinums look the same. Yeah. It's Conan is a great example. Like, I could spend all the time in the world earning Conan's platinum the real way. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, (laughs) anyone can do it in in about an hour. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's pretty wild. It's it's the thing is, if you're going to have a metagame like that. You know, I don't think there's really room for 
well, you know, just let everyone who cares, you know, yeah. like if you don't care about trophies and you don't care about the metagame, then that's fine. But the people who do care about the metagame, like I do, and I don't know how much you do, but you know, there are people out there who do care. So I don't think it's a crazy thing for them to be like, I earned this and went for this. And now yeah. it's easier. That is just reasonable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I do like the idea of games not suddenly becoming um, unplatinable because of servers shutting down. And I think that usually bothers me most when there's only like one multiplayer trophy or two multiplayer trophies that are super easy to get, but you just can't get them unless you, which, you know, you talked the other day, it's, it's a time and place thing, but it also mm-hmm. made me think. I was I was thinking earlier because I've been watching this really well done video on YouTube, and it's very long. Um, uh, Josh Ayers posted it in the Discord, and it's the entire history of video games. Yeah, and I was thinking about as they're talking about like the '90s and PC and how id soft worked uh, id software and how they came out with doom and then they wanted to look at making a multiplayer focused game so instead of just dumping multiplayer into doom like you would have seen happen in the 2010s or the 2000s like the late 2000s but they were like yeah we're just going to make an entirely different game that is only trying to be multiplayer and i'm like i kind of miss the days when games were just like Hey, this we're just gonna be a single player game, and hey, we're just gonna be a multiplayer game, and we're gonna excel at both of those instead of having one that clearly outdoes the other, um, and kind of the value that comes with that because you can you can specialize in your development toward the game, and mm-hmm. don't worry. I love like Killzone Mercenaries multiplayer. I love Killzone 2 and 3's multiplayer. But is it also reasonable to say like maybe they should have just made Killzone 2 a shooter and then they should have made Killzone multiplayer, a completely separate game that you buy and it's entirely made for that. And I think in a way that that fixes that problem. I know that's not where the industry's at and that the value proposition idea of multiplayer that has now been replaced with the value proposition of every game being um, open world and and massive (laughs) in scale. It's just interesting to see because I think that sometimes early industries seem to get it more right than we are now. Like early industry had shareware for computers where you just downloaded a game, played a certain amount of it, and then it was like, hey, if you like this, please pay and you can play the... <laughs> I think you're muted, but... I was saying like like WinRAR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just interesting to see. It's- um how they how they they change. It's but I was of, thinking multiplayer games hard a multiplayer hardly ever happens in games now. Used to you knew every triple A game is gonna have a shoot in multiplayer. Yeah. That has really gone away. It's just now every triple A game is gonna be fifty is hours. Right. <laughs> or it is, or is just only multiplayer. multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think the best microcosm of like example of this is Bioshock two. Right? Like the, if I got the Platinum on Bioshock 2 on PS4, significantly easier than getting the Platinum in Bioshock 2 on PS3. So I wouldn't begrudge someone from being like, yeah, we both we played the same game, but mine was way harder. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the biggest thing. But in terms of the article, I think uh, you should never touch multiplayer trophies. They suck. And I would advocate for multiplayer trophies being in a DLC list like Burial at Sea or having a different list entirely or having a Ruby trophy. You know what I mean? But I don't think you'd leave those. I think stuff like 
you know, I said it in the Discord, but you 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 going back to Killzone Mercenary was most likely spurred on because you're like the servers are closing and I want the platinum. Just like it was a, it was a mix of things. I was already playing the Killzone games around that time. I don't know if you remember I was replaying them all kind of. Uh and so I would have went back to it, but I don't know that I would have went back to it that way. But something to be said is since other people definitely went back to it that because of that the online scene was actually again. popping enough for me mm-hmm. to be able to enjoy the online aspect in a way that I wouldn't have, even if I had revisited the game separate of the trophy list. Exactly. And the multiplayer for that game was sick. It's really good. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pissed. I missed that. <clears throat> I'm, I'm so sad. Like, I, it's brutal. I know. I am kind of glad I didn't have to grind the 10,000 kills. So, either way, I am also playing um, Street Fighter Six, which I adore. Is incredibly stylish, um, and Diablo Four, and I have gone back to the original Bioshock today. So, you go for platinum in that. I'm gonna get the platinum in that. Yes. Are you doing the only so many of the health tanks in your first run? Or are you gonna do that on a second run? <sighs> I have it. I'm. I started it on my first run. I don't know why I can't think what they're called right now. Vita Chambers. Vita Chambers, thank um, you. Yes. But I might just knock it down, do collectibles, and then just go right in. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, that's that's. I don't have to say too much about Bioshock. It's an incredible game. I've played it before. It's bad at the end, but that's okay. Um, but I disagree. I still think Infinite's better. Yeah. But I, I think Bioshock is a I think truly Bioshock fantastic game all the until, way through. You know... The twist, the twist, yes, is incredible. And then past that, it it loses its footing. That's all. It doesn't stay mm-hmm. as consistent. But Infinite has the same problems. Like the Boys of Silence is really lazy. <laughs> I think you know, I it's a really cool design and really cool section. But actually, when I was doing it in 1999, and I realized, oh, I can just run past all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, that's kind of lame. Um, but yeah, Street Fighter Six I really like. Diablo Four is awesome. I will say that those games share a certain DNA, which has made me very uncomfortable recently. Um, those games are both incredibly horny, and mm. it makes it's a little weird. Street, you know, Diablo is like Hellraiser horny, and Street Fighter is foot fetish horny, and I'm not into <laughs> either of those. So, <laughs> and yet I find myself. A little turned on. <laughs> well, the, the worst part, the worst part is I really like playing Judy. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Judy. Um, and she is straight up made for foot fetishists. And I kind of don't want to play her because I don't want to be lumped in with those people. <laughs> you know? It's like when you say your favorite Pokemon's Gardevoir and they're like, it's he wants to fuck Gardevoir. <laughs> right. Like... My favorite Pokemon is Vaporeon, and that's been ruined. Oh, yeah, it's been <laughs> clearly ruined. Yeah. yeah, for years now. No, it's, it's funny. Yeah, um, but, yeah. So um, Diablo Four, though, this is kind of like you played Diablo Three as some, mm-hmm. right? And you played a little bit of Diablo Two, like fifty hours um, of Diablo Three, which is, I guess, yeah, that's pretty good. Some <laughs> that's some that's rookie hours on Diablo yeah, Three. I but I mean, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So, how are you feeling about Four? You think you're going to stick with it for? longer same amount of time um, or i mean how are you feeling initially because diablo 4 is also on my list so this is where we can kind of yeah, share our experiences we played a little bit. bit together we did play together i 
Diablo Four we is both weird. simped over Lilith, so I mean, oh gosh, she's bonding so moment. I don't know why she's hot, but she's hot. Good. Um, like I said, it's very what's deep game. inside of every man, where occasionally you just want a girl to like just run over you, dude. <laughs> it's I, like you want to feel that that tension of like she could kick my ass at any moment. Yeah, well, there's. I always go back to like one of my favorite Chris Raygun quotes, which is um, talking about being attracted to tall girls, and he's like, "I want to have sex like I'm playing Shadow of the Colossus." <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, you do. Um, but Diablo Four is interesting because I like it. Um, I think I don't know how much I'm going to play by myself. I think that's fair. It's an it's an incredibly social game, and I'll tell you, of the hundreds of hours I played of Diablo three, almost like ninety percent of it was with people. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. If I'm gonna have a game, a podcast game, it's gonna be I will be the show. So, you know, Diablo doesn't fit there. It, like for me, it's like a square peg in a, in a in a round hole because I have my podcast game. And this is a podcast game. So I feel like the only way I'm going to do it is with you or social aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, I don't know. And like, I've, I've said it before. I'm not someone who is on a quest for a pair of better pants. Like that's what those games are. And it's never appealed to me. It is like the whole, you know, I get what you mean. It's, it's really, I mean, of course that's the simplified version of it. Sure. Cause I think there are other games that really do that, but I think this is, it's, it's on the quest for the next piece of gear. That's going to completely change your play style. And the only reason I I bring that up is because very (laughs) few games does the, does the grind for better gear actually completely change your play style in the way that a Diablo run can if you get just yeah. a few pieces of legendary gear it can really change shit up in a, in a crazy way yeah it's just what i mean by that is more of just the like i want I, i'll finish the story and then it doesn't interest me to go back and beat ultra nightmare lil at that level 100 like that's mm-hmm. cool and if you were doing it and people in the discord or any of my buddies were doing it we'd be like yeah sure fuck it i have the game i might as well but i'm not gonna do that shit on my own <laughs> You well, know. that's when Destiny was its most fun, when we were racing against the clock, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that in terms of, even though I think there are clearly a lot of elements that Destiny borrowed from Diablo um, in trying to make its gear yeah, system compelling. Um, I think that when you look at those games, I had a I have a great time when I'm playing Destiny exclusively as something to play with other people. Yeah. And it's really fun. The moment that you start like the moment we started putting the platinum thing on there where it's like, well, we've got to hit this level by this date. And if we don't by this date, the platinum becomes unobtainable. And we have to restart from scratch right back and build all the way up for hundreds of more hours. And I think that part of it, I'm a little pissed that I didn't just wait since apparently now you can hop right into them. Yeah. Um, essentially. But at the time when that wasn't obvious and known, it, it kind of felt like we were putting pressure on the game. And so I'm trying to make sure that I approach this game with like, I'll platinum it one day. Like I did three. I mean, I set out to platinum three, but it wasn't like I want to have this platinum in a week and I would play other things. So I'll have the platinum for Diablo four one day and maybe one mm-hmm. day soon. But 
I'm yeah. more worried, like, let me have fun with a game. Let me play with my different buddies. And I'm so glad to hear, like, all my friends have different classes. Like, we're all mm-hmm. playing different classes. I'm like, fuck yeah. So if we yeah. ever get a night where we can all come together, I've got a druid. I've got me as a mm-hmm. necromancer. I've got my buddy as a... Um, Blake, I think, is a barbarian right now is what he, yeah, is what he really started so. as. So that's great. Uh, got a... My buddy Blaze, if he's still playing, is playing as Rogue. So, I mean, Liam is a sorcerer. We've got we got it stacked up. Yeah, I don't know. Diablo is interesting because it's like I was saying to Sean, I don't know if you were in this, the group at the time, but he was asking me my opinion. And I'm like, I think Diablo's great. Um, I think I think you're you're actively hurting yourself if you don't buy it right now. And that sounds crazy, like very consumer of me. But I think mm-hmm. like if you're not playing Diablo 4 in the zeitgeist and you buy it for $20 in four years, I don't think you're going to get as the same experience. You might get a better game, but the experience of Diablo will be worse, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I mean, it's hard to say because Diablo 3, I think, pretty easily proves um, that you can play for quite a long time and that there will always kind of be some level of, uh, of that. Sure. So we'll definitely see, but why not go ahead and jump in if you're interested in it? But I think it's cause he's still playing games like destiny. So, um, yeah. well, I'll, I'll go ahead and knock my other one out. I'm, uh, right toward the end is what it feels like of uh, Jedi survivor. I think the game also continues to be much better than the first game in a lot of ways. Not as good as I was hoping it would be in other ways. And also still giving me some issues. I think it's still a great game, and I don't really have any problems with it, other than the fact that it keeps crashing on me. It actually hasn't crashed on me at all. I hadn't had the courtesy to do that. It just keeps freezing while it's trying to load. So, like, I'll load up a save, and it'll freeze. I'll load it again, and it'll freeze. And then I'll load it again, and it'll finally go in. I'll click on one of the rifts that you can go into, and while it's trying to load into that many instance, it freezes. Um it's just stuff like that is incredibly annoying and it's I've lost progress because of it because of the way that it chooses to use the bonfire like system uh, where that happens whenever I'm being it's loading whenever I shouldn't have lost any you know it's it's loading because I'm going into a chasm or something and it freezes so that's a little unfortunate but I think for the most part it's I mean it's a good game it's solid I just it, looking at that, play it in 30 frames per second, and it's fine. I continue to go back to, that's fine, but have the balls to say, hey, this this mode is just too unstable. We're going to patch it out of the game until it's ready to be put back in. No one wants to have to deal with that bad, you know, PR. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think someone brought it up in the Discord, but it's true. It's better. I think it was better PR wise to launch with it, but it's definitely a little crappy that it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, and because I have zero experience with it on 30 frames per second and how stable it may be that way, and that's fine. But that's still, you know, you're talking about people who I know, like Corey and I think Rude Cold both mentioned that they were playing on the 30 frames per second and they're still having glitches. They're still having the bounty hunter issue that won't let them finish the storyline of the game. Uh, I mean, it, it just sounds like across the board, the game needed more time in the oven. Um, and that's unfortunate. Uh, story-wise, something just happened that I honestly have seen, have known that was going to happen the entire build-up. And I don't know if that's because they wanted it to be obvious. It's like I'm trying to, 
I don't know if I'm trying to excuse how obvious it was uh, or, you know, it, it, it was both obvious and it feels like the impact of it doesn't make sense, but I'm not resolved. You know, I'm not, the game's not resolved yet. So I may come to change the way I feel about it by the time I actually roll credits. But, it, you know, it's interesting. One of the big things I'm really happy is that the first game had so many slide sections that were just super, like you got tired of them. And thankfully this game that it's, it's there, but it's not really common. It's like in the first game, they played Uncharted 4 and that scene where you're with Sam and you're jumping across the rocks and you kind of have to slide. And they were like, what if we just did a shitload of that in the game? <laughs> and now it's more like the way Uncharted 4 used it, where it's like, it's it's part of puzzles and figuring out ways to get up things, but it's not like, it's, it's peppered in instead of being like, we're going to have every world have a big section of where it's just you sliding and it be, starts to feel like a Sonic game where instead of running really fast and jumping, you're just sliding on your butt fast and jumping. Mm-hmm. But still enjoying it. Ready to roll credits um, since we're not too far away from Final Fantasy 16. Cannot wait for Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, you ready to move into the community stake? Yeah. I'm ready to take this community. (laughs) Take them. Uh, Guys, if you're new to the show, the community stake is where on the previous episode, something that we talked about or something that we come up with throughout the idea, the, you know, the length of the episode, but we kind of, Use it as a chance to get your guys' thoughts on something, give you a chance to rebut against us, open our eyes to maybe a different viewpoint, uh, or just kind of get a feel for where the community rests on something that may be in line or different from where we are. Uh, And this one, I'm going to go ahead and say, this was worded to be a little spicy on purpose. Mainly because I wanted to kind of see how people's gut checks are whenever they respond to this. And I think there's some interesting insights to the way people choose to view this. So... If you want to be part of this, we post it on social media. So that's at uh, over on Twitter. You can do at Triangle SQRD. You can follow us on Facebook, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, or once again, the Discord, which is linked in the description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services. But we will post that and give you a chance to kind of respond to that. The question this week was, with reports that Bungie was at least in part responsible for factions being reevaluated alongside Sony's talk of having a 60-40 split of live service games to single-player games moving forward, do you think Sony values Bungie or Naughty Dog more right now? So, of course, that's meant to try and force you into choosing one. Uh, but Velvet Thunder comes with one of the obvious answers a uh, longtime patron he says this is the only correct answer why not both uh and i think that's clear and to that end i think the ghost of blake popes haunting our dreams every minute every second <laughs> he comes in and kind of expounds on that a little bit he says i think they value them in different ways i would take bungie's multiplayer advice over naughty dog's multiplayer advice but i'd take both of their advice single player uh wise and I think that that's kind of clearly in line with what people should expect from this. But I think when you start looking at this a little more and thinking, well, why, what, what does that question really bring up to the table? And what are we thinking about? And what are we looking at? Um, we have a couple more answers that kind of go a little further across the spectrum. So the first one comes from longtime listener, longtime patron, no fate. He says, Sony's actions make it pretty clear are pretty obvious that they value Bungie's words right now over Naughty Dog. But the real question should be, why doesn't Sony trust Naughty Dog to do what they do best? The morale at Naughty Dog must be really low right now. And I think this is a good time to kind of pause and have a little conversation about this. Because I kind of see where he's coming from, but I think there's a very important thing to say here. 
I think that Sony does trust Naughty Dog to do what they do best. And the reason I bring that up is because what Naughty Dog does best is single player games. And this is not Sony questioning them on a single player game. This is <clears throat> Sony taking advice from Bungie, who they hired to be, to look at what they might be doing with a game that is not a multiplayer version that's included in a single player game, but rather a standalone multiplayer title that's being given quite a budget. So I think it's reasonable for Sony to uh, trust is a strong word, but I think it's reasonable for Sony not to just be like, yeah, Naughty Dog can just find a way to make magic out of this because this is a little out of their actual realm. Chris, what do you kind of buy of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're exactly right. And so is Blake. You, you go to Naughty Dog for single player and you go to Bungie for games as a service advice, and that's clearly what happened here. It's not like Bungie walked in and was like, The Last of Us 3 is going to blow. I don't know how you keep people engaged in Ellie's story, you know? But, yeah. but if the it's like I said last week, the fact that they're, if they shut down factions because it's not good, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great sign for Sony just because it's Naughty Dog. That, that means that Sony's committed to quality. Or profit, one of the two, you know, whatever. Well, quality to chase profit. Sure, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like I said, you're not getting a red fall on the console, and that's a good thing. You got a Babylon's fall on the console, but that wasn't you. Um, I will say, me personally, Bungie's pretty good at single player too. So, <laughs> you know, Bungie's got Bungie's got a lot of talent in that tank, so... I, I think you you bought them for their advice, and I don't know why people are surprised that they're doing what they were bought for. You know, yeah, I think so too. Uh, and that kind of brings us to the the next one, which is a newer listener who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, found us on YouTube. So uh, thanks for engaging on the Discord, and of course, uh, listening to the show. He says this is Rimlos Loon uh, Lun. I, I may be saying that wrong, but they say. I think in this era, it's safe to say that Sony would be valuing Bungie more so than Naughty Dog or even a chunk of their first-party AAA studios purely from an actual financial numbers stance. Don't get me wrong, first-party AAA Sony games sell well, but it's nothing compared to earnings over time with any studio that can create a successful games as a service, especially to a studio that gets a game out one once or twice a decade. Uh, gaming is slowly moving to an overall model of constant playability and season pass like incentives to stick around while the single player game will always have a place. That place is beginning to shrink every year. This is coming from someone who plays practically no multiplayer games. Um, and I think that is probably the closest to the way I would really look at answering this is Sony split that I mentioned in the question, right? That 60-40 split clearly yeah. go, goes to show that, yeah, the single-player side of what their output's going to be is shrinking in context of their overall output. So they could put out more first-party titles than they have in the past. They could conceptually, but still they intend for more of that output in total. Uh, if they're putting out more games in total, more of it will still be geared towards games as a service because of the the money side of how that industry works. Um, so I, I really like that answer because it's right. And he's, I think this is a pretty similar to me. Like I don't have a ton of interest in multiplayer games. Clearly I'm playing Diablo 4. Uh, I've, I've played Destiny. I do play multiplayer games, but they're not really my repertoire. You know, I'm, I'm not someone who plays Your those often enough. 
Yeah, it's not my bread and butter, you know? Yeah, biscuits and Chris. chips, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, By chips, I mean it's... french fries. Oh, man. Uh, the question is, is, I would want someone to come down here and, and get a fish and chips plate, which is catfish and french fries <laughs> or catfish and potato spiral, you know, cuts. Yeah. Uh, so... It's it's funny just because of how different the things are. Because I think real fish and chips is supposed to be like beer battered cod. Yes, it is beer battered cod. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you, we have a place in town called Ironwood that has fish and chips, which is their catfish, and that shit slaps so hard. Best catfish in town, so good. But it's okay, it's okay. We'll have to we'll we'll come back to food some other time. Uh, we got one more response to the community's take here, and it comes from Josh Ayers, a longtime listener, longtime patron. And he says, business wise, Bungie, creativity wise, not a dog. The live service games, excluding factions, are being made by the new acquisitions, Firewall, Haven, and by extension of Destiny, Bungie. The context missing from that 60 40 split is that they also said they are increasing spending in both areas. So even with 40% single player, Sony will be spending more on uh, more on them than they currently are. Will that result in more games? Who knows? Last year's financials also said by 2025 they want 50% new IP and 50% old IP. What does that look like? Um, and I think that's clear because one of the things about Sony's IP is that they have a long list of IP, but a lot of their most favorably viewed IP is not necessarily chomping at the bit to be moved into a game-as-a-service model, I don't think. There are clear, obvious ones like that they're already doing it with, like Gran Turismo and MLB. There are ones they could do it with, like SOCOM. Um, I think that there's a real easy way to do that. and They got somewhat close to that idea with SOCOM Confrontation on PS3 before we were kind of looking at games like that as games-as-a-service, but it was a multiplayer-only SOCOM game. Um, and so they definitely have them. I could see games as a service happening for a game like Twisted Metal. I actually think that may be the best business model for a Twisted Metal. I don't I think anyone in, in modern games is going to spend $60 on Twisted Metal. It's just not going to happen. No. Uh, can, can I pitch you a game? Go ahead. Yeah, let's hear it. M-rated DC Universe Online, except okay. in the infamous universe. Dude, that would that would kill. It would kill. And it honestly makes more sense in mm -hmm. the infamous universe because you can go, well, where are all these people with power suddenly coming from? We already know that there are ways to activate people's gene if they happen to have the conduit gene. Whereas in DC, it's not really, it's not like Marvel where you, you could have the X gene, you know, yeah. where it's like, oh. So you got bit by a spider. Now, now don't be wrong. DCUO does a great job of bringing Brainiac into why this is all happening, and I really like that setup, and I actually really love that game. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see that. But th that becomes the point of, do you think that the industry right now is focusing on the difference of an MMO versus a games as a service? I guess I'd look at them and say they're not mutually exclusive. Like I, I, don't, I don't think that all games as a services are MMOs, but I think it's a fair argument to say all MMOs are probably games as a service as we look at hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. So. I think um, games as a service just gets a really bad rap because like, again, I think we've had this argument before, but what is a games as a service? Gran Turismo is a games as a service, but it also has a pretty great single player, you know, um, any game that gets DLC is kind of a games as a service. 
there's a lot of ways where just because it's monetization doesn't mean you're getting a free-to-play battle royale. And I think that's what everyone looks at, where it's like, oh, Sony Bend is making is putting multiplayer in their game. Oh no, they're making Fortnite. It's like, no, they're not. They're making they're probably making a shooter. <laughs> and you yeah. can shoot people, you know? So I, I think there's a lot of ways where you look at the 60-40 split or you look at the that stuff like that and you can get worried. But um, the biggest game out two of the biggest games that just launched are games as a service. Mm-hmm. Nobody's whining about Diablo. Well, some people are whining about Diablo because it's always online, but it's a games as a service. So, and it's one of the biggest launches of all time. So, I mean, listen, like, I think we have to watch and see how it plays out just because these games are going to have ways to make money off you doesn't mean that it's a bad, going to be a bad game or we're missing out on stuff. Yeah, I think uh, Diablo 4 is a really interesting uh, point in that. And I mean, there's been other games that I've played recently, you know, or played across the past few years that touch on that, like Sea of Thieves. But there's been a big conversation around uh, microtransactions in Diablo 4. And I don't think the conversation should completely fall on deaf ears because I think there is a reasonable time to ask, like, does $21 armor, like a visual, you know, aspect or what do they call you? Know, a, um, how am I brain dead right now, Chris? Help me with the word. Cosmetic. Cosmetic. Thank you. A cosmetic only $21 suit of armor. Like, is it hurting anyone? No, because it doesn't you're not paying $21 for gear that has effects that could benefit you you're paying it for a strictly visual aspect um but you also get to the point where it's like $21 for a, a set of armor is kind of wild and I, so i can see where people are looking at this uh, to to the point chris of i can see where people are looking at this and diablo is a very big franchise that has not really interacted in this mean like in this way in the past so i could see people getting this being like oh this is a beckoning call towards something worse i don't really think it is because i don't think that this is this is clearly not going towards anything of play to uh, you know pay to win um it doesn't look like they're moving towards that. This is completely optional in a game that already has thousands of styles, transmog for you to control what you look like for free, and in this game, easier than three, where you can transmog as soon as you as soon as you get a style, you can go to your wardrobe and put it on without having to spend a currency. You had to spend a currency in Diablo three to do it. Mm-hmm. So they've removed plenty of barriers and made it to where you can customize to your heart's extent from a visual standpoint. But if you also want to, you can spend money to do so. Um, and then you can look at the flip side of that and go, well, battle passes. And we kind of had this conversation in the Discord of uh, how people view DI, how people view battle passes and microtransactions differently. Um, and I, as I say across the board, nothing that Diablo is doing, I think, is egregious. But I definitely see where people can look at it and go, it looks like this could be a problem where even if they don't do it now, could they do it down the road? you're more in touch with microtransactions and you seem to spend money on them more than I do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I mentioned like my, my max is usually if I really enjoy a game, I will buy the battle pass. Cause it's like, I'm already playing the game. It's one more incentive to keep playing the game to get something out of it. But the real re- the reality of why I'm buying it is because of the things I get out of that battle pass that are significantly cheaper than if I bought, the same type of items from the microtransaction store. So, for example, Sea of Thieves is my go-to. Um, 
where the one season that I bought a season pass and got to level 100 on it, I got an entire ship's worth of uh, cosmetics and an entire armor set of cosmetics, weapons, and uh, guns as well. And that would have cost me like $50 if I bought an armor mm-hmm. set, weapon sets, and a boat set separate from a battle pass. The battle pass was $10. Yep. So that's where it's like it's a value proposition to me. I, my, my somewhat jokingly conspiracy theory thing is that for people who are a little nah about microtransactions, battle passes that exist to be like, contextually, this looks like such a value in comparison to the other, <laughs> which I mean, it is. It is. But. Um, I think I think the best thing I can do is just read what I said in the Discord. If you can hear my dogs, I'm sorry, everyone. I mean, they're I can't hear just, them. I can hear the cops. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, so I said, I can't. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Woo woo. Um, I said, I buy both because if I want something and I can afford it, I buy it. I agree with um, uh, buying a battle pass doesn't preclude me from buying microtransactions. I see a battle pass as added as an added progression system. So in Apex, it adds more to the everyday grind. I'll, but I'll still spend money to buy skins if I like them. It also very much depends on the game. I've spent almost 2,000 hours in Apex, a game I got for free, and I've probably spent close to $400 on the game in the last few years, but I don't usually buy them in full price games. Which I think is where my thing about Diablo comes into play is that $21 in a game that's not even free for armor kind of mm. feels like, what the hell? You're definitely going to hear my dogs now. Yeah, I can Just going to throw that out there. Um, they're assholes. I love them <laughs> to death, but they're assholes. I think it's it's one of those things where the reality is that Unless you're forced to engage in them, I don't care. You know, because if 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 Street Fighter Six sold shoes for Judy, I might buy them. <laughs> you know, but and that's something like in Diablo. Like I went through the store, and if there was something neat, it's something I went in there and I was like, "That looks so cool! I want it! I buy it." It's not because you know. I don't have a moral stance on, oh, well, this should, I paid $70 for this. I didn't. But, you know, <laughs> so I have to, you know, I can't, you know, I can't even see the store in my, in my thing. I think that's ridiculous. I think, you know, if somebody wants whatever skin in there that they want, they should be able to get it. You know, it's kind of like I went back to Fortnite because I thought the Goku skin was cool and I bought it and I got to play as Goku and that was sweet, you know? It's, it's that kind of stuff. I love Octane and Apex, so I own every skin for Octane that's ever come out. I buy every single one just because I love Octane. It's that simple. You know, it's just I can and I might as well. And look, the reality is like a $21 skin sounds ridiculous, but it's $20. You know, and I know that's very, you know, that's a, a very lucky place I am in life where I can go, eh, fuck it, it's $20. I burn that. But, you know, everyone does. It just depends on what you want it on. It's you either burn it on a microtransaction in a video game because you like the skin or you burn it on your Starbucks coffee every day. It's just it's just a matter of degrees, you know. I don't yeah. drink coffee, so I can buy Apex skins. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't drink coffee either. I think it's a I think it's a mental block for me. Like the best way I can describe it, and it's what I've mentioned whenever I'm looking at that, like when I see a $37 ship pack on Seas of Sea of Thieves, is that I don't understand 
from personal, you know, my personal mental block, I can't look at a game that's got hundreds of hours of content or, you know, even just dozens of hours of content, multiple ships already in the game, multiple sets of armor already in the game, and an entire story sometimes or multiple islands in the case of Sea of Thieves and think, okay, you told me that you think that this game is is worth $60. Everything you've put in this game is worth $60 in the modern day, $70. But you're telling me one set of armor of which there's a game with hundreds of them is $21? And I think the way it's like you have two ways to look at it. You can look at it as, holy shit, this game is an incredible value because I'm getting arguably thousands of dollars of armor, (laughs) armor visuals, cosmetics in a game because this armor is already in there. Or you can go, holy shit, are they crazy? They think I'm going to spend a third of the value of what they say this game is worth on one piece of armor, like one one set of armor. And my brain, no matter how much I fight it, goes towards the, it sounds asinine to spend a third of what I could get an entirely different game with on one set of armor. Uh, but, you know, my thing is like, I can look at it and go, yeah, I think that that's crazy for my own personal taste without caring that other people interact with it. Because much like you said, yeah. as far as I can tell, the game's not making you interact with it. Now, to, do you feel like there's a game that you can think of that does push, like force you to interact with microtransactions. Like is there oh, a, an example that comes to mind for you right yeah. now? One of my, one of my favorite games right now, Marvel snap is a pay to win game. hundred mm. percent. Like, it, well, the mobile space high. in general, I think is very pay to win. Yeah, but it's, it's relatively egregious in Marvel snap where, Last season, the best card was in the Battle Pass, and you had to buy it. Or you didn't have to buy it. You can earn. You could. You could earn Nebula through regular play, mm-hmm. but you got her immediately if you spent ten bucks. <laughs> you know, this season, like if you want to play movement decks, the Battle Pass has Ghost Spider in it, who is now an essential card in, in movement decks. I have a good movement deck without Ghost Spider, but. When I spend that ten dollars, my movement bet my movement tech is going to be better, you know. But it's it it goes back to the situation which I was just saying. I was I would buy that pass battle pass regardless. I've bought see I bought you know I have the Nimrod season, which Nimrod's not a good card, but I like I like the aspect of unlocking battle pass stuff. That dopamine of you just got a hundred credits because you did all these challenges and now your your season level went up. But I do think, like, in the end, like, it is a pay-to-win game. And it's okay. I don't mind. I wish I was better than my girlfriend at it, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) It's fucking killing me. Ghost lady. She was 40 levels higher than me in rank this season. And I'm like, that's so good. Screaming like I'm going to kill her. Like that that Cillian Murphy gif. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I think my last word on it is that in the in the market where we're getting to where battle passes are becoming more commonplace, the one I mean, I, we both loved Halo Infinite for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and I still think it, it was a great time, great period. Um, 
I think the Great one weeks. thing I really hope that the industry grasp on that I think it did really smart is to say, hey, if you buy a battle pass, there is no expiration date. Like if you spend that $10, you can work through that battle pass for as long as you want. It doesn't matter. As long as this game has servers, you can still be working towards that battle pass. Um, just because I think if you're going to ask someone to spend money, you shouldn't put an expiration date on when that money's value goes out. Mm-hmm. That's my personal that's my personal view on it. Uh, but I, I agree, understand actually. people. I, okay. I mean, so there I, are, there man. Okay. Let me say this. It's manufactured expiration. Cause we can clearly say you go down to the store, you buy a gallon of milk and that milk will eventually expire. You're putting an expiration date on the money you're asking the consumer to spend. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference is, is that there is no mechanic around natural life that says, okay, uh, you just, yeah, you spent that $10, but you waited too long, and now this thing is just no longer good. You were manufacturing oh. that on the development side. So. Sure. Um, but again, there's a season aspect to it. You know, I like that until I fell off Apex, I had the max emblem for every season. Like 10 seasons, I have all the max emblems, and you can't get that again. You can't get those skins. You can't get that stuff. So kind of going back, it's funny, kind of going back to that trophy thing is i like the time and place well what i'd say is that you can have it to where people can't buy a season later but i think once you've bought the season it should be okay for you to be like yeah i'm just gonna like you know i'll it what i mean by that is say just like Killzone, right Killzone mercenary if you're one day off and the season ends and you're like i had i needed a hundred experience and i just couldn't fucking make it work then you know now don't worry, being able to buy 10 seasons ago from the from the developer standpoint, they'd probably love that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that you can still time and place it. But by saying, "Hey, you have to be here to spend the ten dollars," but once you are, it's like you know you can work through it at your own pace. Because um, I mean, reasonably, realistically speaking, if you bought it back then, you're probably going to be playing the game enough to most of the time run through it in as close to the real timeline as possible. Uh, but Enough about that. I think uh, microtransactions are definitely an interesting standpoint. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your responses in the community's take. Um, remember, if you're listening to the show on podcast services and they allow you to uh, rate or review us, uh, give us a star rating. Let us know what you think uh, the value of the show is so that other people can also see whether or not we're worth their time. If it lets you straight up review us, we'd love to hear what you like about the show and what you don't like about the show. We're always open to that. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, uh, you can like the video, share it if you feel like other people in your life may enjoy it. Or if you know someone, please feel free to share the show. We like hearing new voices. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move into the news. And like I mentioned earlier, it's a pretty light news week. I don't think there's really any surprise on that. We're uh, a week away, not even from uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of conferences. So with that in mind, we're going to kind of go through the news that did hit. And then we're just going to wrap this show up. So it's going to be a fun week where there's not a whole lot of pressure on anything. So Chris... First two things are all VR focused for the most part. Oh, yay. Uh, first one, at Apple's recent keynote event, multiple things were announced that might have PlayStation fans interested. For one, they announced that they've entered into the VR slash AR market. The Apple Vision Pro is coming later in the year and cost a whopping 3499 And let me tell you that that's starting at, which means there are models that are over that. <laughs> Um, more reasonable news, Hideo Kojima made an appearance at the show to announce that all of his games in the future would be coming to Mac, starting with Death Stranding Director's Cut, which is genuinely a... 
it's weird that we're this far in the future and it's still like big, huge news when a game comes to Mac. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy considering that like early games development for computers happened on Mac, like Mac twos, like or Apple twos, whatever they're called. So it's crazy that Apple has gotten so far away from gaming that it's uncommon for games to hit there. Uh, the second piece of news, I'm going to go ahead and lump it in here, is joining in on the VR fund. Meta revealed the Quest 3 releasing this fall, starting at a much more reasonable $499. But thankfully announcing a slew of games that will also be gracing PSVR 2, such as Vampire the Masquerade Justice, an adventure RPG set in the world of the popular IP. Bulletstorm VR adapting People Can Fly's classic shooter into the VR space and the seventh guest VR, a mystery adventure title all coming later this year, presumably whenever the quest comes, but right now they're being a little coy on giving a date to the quest three, which brings us full circle to something I've noticed lately. What's with people being super like against putting dates on anything lately. Are you just super scared of the consumers that if you have to push it, it yeah, must they don't be want it. delays. I think it's that simple. Like, I think Insomniac said it about Spider-Man. They're like, we just want to be sure, <laughs> you know? So I think yeah. it's just that. And I think I appreciate it. Yeah, because, like, you know it's coming. And what's the difference if you know the exact date it's coming six months earlier or one month ahead of time? Like, they're right. at least being like, hey, we're it's for sure coming this year. But if we have to move it two weeks to get the best product out, we'd rather be able to do that without you knowing about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> So, but it's very interesting to see because I've seen PlayStation doing it, but it's like everything in the tech industry lately has been like, yeah, we're just going to kind of give a ballpark date. We're just going to say like fall. Fall's got a long time for you to try and figure that out. Um, Chris, you know, we, me and you have been talking about your, your will he won't he about potentially getting into the <laughs> VR space. Um, Clearly, you, we talked about how the PlayStation Showcase uh, showed Synapse, Synapse, whatever, um, which looks pretty cool. But of these games that you've seen, uh, or I know I asked you if you had seen uh, that Vampire the Masquerade Justice game, which I do think you should look at the gameplay footage of. Uh, but Bulletstorm VR, does that do something to help pull you toward the pull the trigger and then see yeah, how Bull it fares? Bulletstorm VR is hype as hell. I'll play that. Um, I, I think... I will eventually get a PSVR 2 as just an avid PlayStation fan and consumer, right? I would think it's something I'll end up with. And I mean, I like Beat Saber and stuff like that. And there's always that fun, like, hey, my girlfriend, come play this game. You know what I mean? So that stuff's cool. It's just a matter of how much time am I really going to spend with it? You know, we talked about before the show and Blake was the beneficiary of the fact that I hadn't touched my original PSVR in so long that there was probably an inch or two of dust just caked on it. Like I said to you, it was to the point where I would never have put it on again. So <laughs> it's, it's you know, that's part of it. I, I That's my big worry with VR. Because just because stuff looks really cool doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to play. I had a lot of issues with, you know, I have a big-ass head. So it was hard. Me too, buddy. I, I couldn't see games in VR. They were all blurry. And it was one of those things where if this blurriness is just how the game looks, this sucks. And if this is not how the game looks, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
So yeah. I'm I'm glad that I think the smartest move that PSVR two had over the other ones like the PSVR one and the Quest two and the Quest one that I've experienced is that uh, PSVR one you had no way to adjust your uh, inner pupillary distance. It was just fixed. You were going to deal with what it was, and if you had wider set eyes or more narrow set eyes or whatever it be, you had to suffer the consequences. Uh, the Quest two had three settings. You know, all like narrow in, middle set, or wide set. Um, and I think the greatest thing I really enjoy about PlayStation, and I actually didn't see if the meta is going to do this, but I hope they do, is just a dial to where you can get any level of gradient. So you can really find the exact spot that feels right for your eyes. And then the accordion shroud around the headset means that you can pull the screens further away from your eyes or closer to your eyes and still not get light leakage because it will compress and come back out with that accordion-like design without really letting light in for a pretty far distance, uh, which is really nice. So you can dial it in because that was my big complaint. A lot of the times I'd get headaches or start feeling bad if I played a lot of VR, if I played for a long time. And it's so crazy being able to play like an accidental three hours of Pavlov and be like, holy shit, I didn't realize I've been in there for three hours, which is a separate problem. <laughs> but mm. it's nice to have a problem where it's so comfortable and I can fine tune it to a degree that it becomes a non-question. Whereas it was always a, an issue of not if, but when on PSVR 1. So yeah. one of these days, I hope you pull the trigger. But um, yeah, this is good. The, of course, the immediate question from everybody is like, why didn't we see any of these through the, the showcase? And I think the nature is, is Meta just paid more money to get to reveal them at their showcase. If the games are also coming to PlayStation VR 2, it just yeah, kind of has to be that. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and you run the other risk of like showing too much PSVR 2 at the PlayStation show, Showcase where you're trying to have an event that pleases like tens of millions of fans versus the very niche like one to two million people who are like very invested in PSVR 2 right now. You know what I mean? It's like, So I get it. But it is a little unfortunate because when you are into PSVR 2, it's like, oh, why, did, why couldn't I see this cool shit at the place where I was supposed to see all the cool PlayStation shit? But time is always against you. Um, all right, Chris, any thoughts on that before I move on? I think we're good, right? Yeah, I'm good. Can't wait to play Boltstorm VR. There you are. Uh, next piece of news, if leaks are to be believed... Payday 3 is set to release on September 21st, 2023. So, of course, if you want to get into more heist bank robbing stuff with your friends, but you don't want to wait for the random fair games date, (laughs) (laughs) you can just play it the good old-fashioned way with Payday. Uh, So that's quick news. The next one's a little bit more worth talking about. It's pretty weird. So Square Enix has been drip-feeding information about the second part of the Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, otherwise known as Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, on Twitter. Square Enix is drip-feeding information about the second part of the Final Fantasy VII remake on Twitter. You just did the same sentence twice, Chris. Did I really? Sorry. Why'd you do this? Now I look like a fool. I'm kidding. It seems (laughs) like all this is leading up to uh, Summer Games Fest uh, where they will hopefully show more of the title. They've apparently made a conscious decision to allow players who missed out on the first part of the remake to play this one. They also indicate that the team is working to nail down a release date and hopefully we hear more news about this in the immediate future. So this is continued on every single day. There is some... (laughs) Weird question and then a non-answer for the most part. (laughs) Yeah, it's been super weird. 
and they're highlighting like weird sections of the text and making it green. And I'm like, by the end of this, is it going to be like some in-depth Kojima style shit where you can like put the words and like scramble them up and there's a new sentence or I wouldn't be surprised. You know. It's the release date. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the first letter of every highlighted word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Chris, first and foremost, a lot of the stuff they've been talking about is a little interesting. I can kind of understand from a game standpoint that you always want to make a sequel be accessible or you at least want to pretend it's accessible to people who didn't play the first one. Um, but it definitely feels like a weird decision because it feels like how do you, how, what's the context? And I'm assuming they're going to do like some games do like Jedi Survivor did where it's, you can recap the first game. My biggest thing is why would you play the second one if you didn't play the first? Well, think about Kingdom Hearts 3 landing on Xbox One. It, when, why would you play it? Why would Exactly. It's a good question. It'd be like watching now, that the Godfather a little different. 3 only. You, I don't you get it. You could have played the other two on a different system years back since it took 18 years for Kingdom Hearts 3 to be made. Um, but point being, that's kind of where it's... It, it's, it's a weird move. But... Nailing down the release date. Clearly, you have your your fingers crossed for 2023. But I am here to take my Cupid arrow and shoot the shit out of that bubble. It ain't happening. December 12th, 2023. Watch. <laughs> December 31st, 2023. <laughs> At that point, I'll just say this is one of those GameStop placeholder dates when a game is pre-orderable, but it just says twelve thirty-one of whatever year they said it will come in. It'll hit twenty, you know, hit two thousand eight. All right, twelve thirty-one, two thousand eight. Yeah, right. I love those. <laughs> yeah, you that was the funniest part about Tuesday, working at GameStop. So it was fine. <laughs> or Friday. Yeah. That's really been moved away from in games lately. I'm mean, getting these weird Wednesday releases, and you're like, okay. I mean, I'll take it, but. Strange. <laughs> Absolutely. I think God of War Ragnarok released on a Wednesday, if I remember. I thought it was Thursday. Enough. It might have been a Thursday. It was weird. I remember that much. It was weird. Um, so, what are your hopes? Because you, you talked about Final Fantasy 16 earlier, how you how you hope you'll finish it. Do you have any hopes outside of the Metacritic draft? No. On Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth? Do you even know? Do you not care because you couldn't finish the first one? Or you didn't finish the first one? I didn't finish the first one. Um, it's not that. That's not why I don't care. It's not that I don't care. I'd love to play the first one. Um, sure. I just think the further along we get, the less likely it is that I'll play it. I liked the first one. I thought the guy on a motorcycle, I don't remember his name, I thought that was the coolest shit I've ever seen. That was so dope. I was so hyped when he was spinning around that motorcycle. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. If I remember right, wasn't that Cole Sprouse or Dylan Sprouse? I hope so. That'd be dope as hell. That'd be even better. I'm trying to remember. I think it is one of the... Uh, the hmm, I might be wrong, but I know... I, 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 maybe Excuse it's me. that the character looked like him. But yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, it's just something that I fell off of. And the further along it gets, the less likely it is I'll give it a shot. But... Uh, yeah. You know, I hope this is good. And if this is good, it's going to be one of those things where I'm like, shit, I should really go back. Maybe I will. Um, it, we'll see. Final Fantasy 16 will probably be the litmus test on JRPGs for me. And if, if I finish it, then maybe it's a thing of like, I guess I can go to the next one. Yeah, I think it just looks like one of the Sprouse brothers or something. His name's Roach. I think. Um, but 
<laughs> Doesn't the guy from Breaking Brad, Breaking Bad, um, Badger, he plays uh, the fat guy, right? Yeah, he he plays. Why do you, why did you have to call him the fat guy? Because he he is. Come why on, would you I do can't. this to me? I'm allowed to say that. I mean, yeah, but now I can't think of his name. Um, do 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 do. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> I can't. I can't believe this. It's all right. Yeah, because he sounds like this. <laughs> I mean, it's What's really up, hard. Cloud? It's really hard to hear his voice and not know exactly who it is, though. Just to be yeah, fair, that's kind of how it goes. But, um, damn, what is his name? It's uh, Jesse Biggs and. Come on, help me out here. Tip of my tongue. Where are we at here? Oh, well, doesn't matter. I'll remember it eventually. Point being, I'm excited for Resident Evil. Oh, Resident Evil. It happened to be on the Google thing where I was trying to figure that out. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm excited for it, but I don't anticipate it this year. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it, and I do think we'll see it. Uh, just, I don't know, though, man. I think we'll see it, but it is a little weird, because doesn't it kind of feel like it's fighting against 16? Because 16 is not even going to be out by the time you show this. I think it's two different audiences, really. It might it's be two or, different sects of the same sects of the same audience. I think, or they're going to do that Final Fantasy ep- uh, fifteen episode Duske thing that they did with uh, the remaster of the PSP title, the Agito thirteen. I can't remember what it, typo. Um, so it'd be funny if when you buy Final Fantasy sixteen, you get a exclusive demo or something for Final Fantasy seven Rebirth. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> at the end of the it's demo possible. it says out now that would say they're gonna Sega Saturn it <laughs> yeah they are the first it like is set to be the first person who beats it unlocks the game for the world that would actually be kind of dope a race that sounds to, like that sounds like a Kojima thing uh, like yeah. if you would have told me that that was what PT was mm-hmm. and that the moment that the first person ended it the whole game and everybody's PlayStation 4 finished downloading and the title the title became Silent Hills and the whole game was playable right there a that have been sick <laughs> yeah it would have been sick <laughs> but it also been, sounds directly up his alley it does a little yeah. little little expensive for Konami but yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's see. Last piece of news here. Recently, we found out that longtime art director for Sony Santa Monica, Raf Grissetti, would be leaving the company. This week, he announced his destination would be with uh, Joseph Staten's Netflix studio. Uh, Staten. I don't actually know how to pronounce that Staten. last name. I'll say Staten. Yeah, Netflix is working on something that could be very exciting, though not much is known about the team as of now. Uh, they We do know it's AAA. Uh, and they're pulling together quite an interesting group of people. So you have uh, Joseph Staten, which is tied to Halo. You have someone from the Coalition tied to Gears of War. And now you have someone from God of War uh, coming over. So do you have a gut check on what you, type of game you even think this is? Do you think that they're just hiring talent? regardless of genre or do you think that some of what they're choosing is teasing into the type of game that they're looking at making? No, I'd have to think this is one of those, like you, you did a great job. You're a great art director. Here's a, here's a job at Netflix or it could just be like Joseph Staten was like, I want that guy. Possible. You know? Um, Yeah. 
Let me ask you a different question. Okay. With this being Netflix, so far they have not done this. So far they have made more traditional games. But with this being Netflix, and I would argue that Netflix is essentially a service, do you think Netflix's long-term goal would be to try and create a games as a service that they can continue to monetize, much like they do their entire service that they are built upon? Yeah, probably. That make the do most sense. Do you think this me. could be it? Probably, yeah. It makes sense. Great art direction, and then you got the guy behind Halo. Can't really, you can't really beat that. That's kind of why it crossed my mind. That and the Coalition. I mean, those are two of the you know mid two thousands, and even more recently, multiplayer juggernauts. I you think. Know. Um, I don't know how you'll feel about this, but it, this is reminding me of. Um, 38 Studios and how 38. Kurt Schilling, Kingdoms of Amalur. Oh, yeah. yeah and how yeah, Kurt yeah. Schilling just went and got people he liked who were really good at what they did. Like Todd McFarlane was there, you know, people like that. Um, it just reminds me of bringing in a bunch of talent to do something cool. And I hope they do. I'm really excited for the uh, Chris Hemsworth-led extraction shooter. I you, you know what with how much pressure or not pressure but with how much in the industry is pushing toward cross media it does seem like the most obvious thing for Netflix to do is to work on being able to put out licensed games of their own IP so I could well, absolutely see an extraction game Sure but here's the question do they make a game based on one of their shows or do they make a show based on the game Either way it Works with yeah. their model, right? My yeah. my thing would be show based on game. So <clears throat> I don't know. I have to believe this is a shooter of some sort. So I mean, it so seems calm. like low hanging like low hanging fruit. It's, yeah. it's kind of the nature of who's ahead of it. But you never know. I mean, it's part of it's like you feel vindicated by like even when Bungie got freedom from Microsoft, the first thing they go do is just create more Halo. <laughs> like yeah. they they weren't like, finally, we're free of Microsoft. Let's make something that's not a shooter. They're like, yeah, let's just make another first person shooter with a dude wearing fancy space armor. They made Stardew Valley after Halo. <laughs> Could do that in terms of and I know Destiny's a big thing in the game, it revolutionized a lot of things and Bungie's good for doing that. But imagine how crazy it would be to have the studio behind Halo leave Microsoft and be like, Yeah, we're gonna make a farming simulator. So into it. So <laughs> into it. That would have been so dope. I mean, listen, they made a farming simulator, just not the same type of farming. You're right. You're right. Very different. Uh, all right. Well, that is the last piece of news. Like we said, pretty slow news week. So we're going to move into questions, of which we have a few here. Uh, and then finally, we're going to wrap the show up with what we always wrap up with, the ever-so-sexy Velvet's Corner. But the first question is a pretty fun one, and it comes from Jehudi MD uh, from your home territories with all the weird Yee. fires going on. If you're up there, then whew, Good luck. I don't, don't go outside. understand entirely what's happening, but whew, does not look good. Yay for home air filtration for people that can afford it. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. In that area of the world, is air conditioning pretty common? Yes. Okay. We have like, summers that, and cold winters. Well, I know. Yeah, that's true. I could see heaters. I didn't know if air conditioning, which I guess air conditioning is, or heat is a form of conditioning air, but more of uh, cool air. Because 
I know a lot of people in the um, you know the Northwest are like air conditioning is not common. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like it's weird because like in the, the South it's so hot and sticky and tacky all the time that you like get inside and you're like yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like the Brits are freaking out about seventy degree weather right now. Yeah, you know it's pretty wild, but that's okay. That's where it is. Uh, anyway, Jehudi asks. Any console startup music highlights? Mine are the original PS and GameCube. To this day, when I listen to the memories of the console come flooding back, do you miss them? Uh, so I feel like it's safe to say that everyone has to understand what he's talking about. But if you remember, whenever whenever you booted a game up in these systems, there would be a, a, a sound, a song, a noise. When you booted the systems up, there'd usually be something like PlayStation 1 had its little theme whenever you could select between the memory card or the disc. PS2 had its little spacious kind of weird vibey music with the towers uh, whenever you load you loaded in. Similar to PS1, PS3, of course, had uh, boot sound and uh, its <coughs> background music that changed with the months and the colors and stuff. Uh, and Vita has its little weird music as well. So with that, Chris, do you have anything that's either console music that plays in the, the whole time or a boot-up sound in particular that really tickles your uh, tickles your nostalgia? Um, in terms of boot-up boot, boot music, it's easily the GameCube that's 10 out of 10 stuff um but the best video game this is going to be a hot take but the best video game song of all time is the we shot menu music Mm, that is bold is it have you listened to the we shot menu music yes i have i'm not saying it's bad clearly i think it's good it clears near automata it clears journey clears everything I don't know if it clears Kingdom Hearts. I'm just going to throw that out there. Most things clear Kingdom Hearts. Sorry. (laughs) Just joking. Don't get mad at me, please. You're fired, Chris. Oh, shit. Well, going to bed. See you later. (laughs) Been a long couple weeks. (laughs) So I think more in the spirit of the question for me, um, I was always a big fan. I think part of it was because the Dreamcast hit at such an interesting time. And we happened to get one. I don't know why. My dad decided that he wanted to get us a Dreamcast uh, of our own. Man of culture. Like usually we were, usually we got the hand-me-down. So like the Sega Genesis was his when he got the PS1, he let us have it. And then whenever he got the PS2, we got the PS1. Uh, Like we got to play it sometimes, but it wasn't ours. But for some reason, he just bought us a Dreamcast. And it was like me and my brother specifically and I loved it. I thought it was super cool. And the Dreamcast in general was just really a pretty crazy time. Uh, my parents were like just in the throes of divorce whenever Dreamcast came out. <laughs> <laughs> and when PS2 came out a little bit later, they were actually fully divorced. But when I say fully divorced, my mom bought my dad a PlayStation 2. I told this story to try and save the marriage. And we played NASCAR uh, 2001. But we already had the Dreamcast by that point. And then whenever they really got divorced, we kind of still had it. Uh, and he let us take it home between staying at mom's and playing his. But I don't know. Have you ever heard the Dreamcast startup? No. It's like the little red dot that dream that's in the Dreamcast logo. It's like it bouncing across a white blank surface like water dripping. Like... Th- 
and you just see the letters of Dreamcast pop up, and it, it's it's sublime. I love it to death. It, it's very. In comparison to what was going on at the time, the Dreamcast already felt very futuristic to what was happening. And that just mm-hmm. really accompanied that well. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Um, Dreamcast has a lot of amazing features that I still love to death and cannot believe that someone ever thought to put into a game system. But I mean, that's it's a pretty good one. But honestly, it just kind of sounds like a leaky faucet. <laughs> I mean, you're also not wrong, <laughs> but you got to remember, I was like five or six. <laughs> I'm not hating on it. I'm not hating on it. I used to be a big MIA fan, so I get liking bad music. <laughs> uh, do you have another candidate? Because I have one more that I want to mention just for uh, got a shout out. The, you know, the I, would give a, I would give a special shout out to the Xbox original. That startup sounds pretty good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to hear it again to make sure I'm not crazy, but that was a pretty seminal. I had the original Xbox when I really wanted a uh, PlayStation. So, you know, it's just, the, what are you going to do to it? The problem is, I only wanted a console at that time to play Grand Theft Auto. And then my grandfather, the one nice thing he ever did for me in his life was buy me a video game console. And he bought the one that I couldn't get Grand Theft Auto on at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Happened. But I'm a child. So, like, the year it took to come out was like the rest of my life at that point. That's fair. And I can understand that. But, you know, you got an Xbox out of it. You had a way of playing Project Gotham Racing and Fable. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% right. This is such a dope intro where it's got like that little like flubber like going up the top. I, I, I love that. I think that's super cool. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Um, speaking of, of weird Xbox things that I'm a fan of, Xbox tends to update their, their way out of things that I really enjoy about their systems. Mm-hmm. And one of those is the Xbox 360 was never easier or more sexy, in my opinion, to navigate than when it was the blades. The blades. The very, dude, the blades, the blades are sick. <laughs> They're really, I, I love the blades because it was, to me, Xbox's, ver, Xbox's close enough version of the XMB where it's like, it's all functionality. Like, there's a little style to it. Like, the XMB looks slick, but it's mainly about like, hey, there's a center bar that everyone recognizes and then there's things within that that you can control. It's functional Mm -hmm. and it's easy and you don't really have to teach someone how to use it. And I remember every time they'd update that fucking Xbox 360 uh, UI, which they would do, they did it like four or five times. And I was like, why? What? Why? And every time I felt like it got harder to use and the same thing happened with Xbox One. They opened, I was like, this is pretty easy to use. Snap is a killer feature. This is amazing. And then they update, wait, wait, snap wait. away. They moved to Windows 10 based, uh, you know, Xbox One thing. And I was like, what did, the, what did you do? You fucked it all up. Dude, I'm watching a YouTube video of someone just going through the blades, like setting up their Xbox. And it Dude, goes so smooth. Do you want to migrate your original Xbox Live account or your Zoom account to 360? <sighs> Such a time and place. But even the 360 has a great intro. The 360, like the spin or whatever that, that sound is, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, the schwung, like the, the lightsaber. <laughs> um, it sounds great. Um, yeah, man. It, All right, so this is technically a cheat answer. Okay. P3. 
PSP. God, it's always a fucking PSP with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the first time I brought up PSP in a while, but it's okay. It's either the Vita or the PSP. I'll give you that. Yeah. The PSP. One of the coolest things that I liked about once I figured out how to mod it was just the weird things you could do with it. So if someone had Windows Vista on the on PSP, where you could you had a whole start menu and you can go down to it and and use it, and the analog you know slider was your thing. So I remember thinking of how cool it was that it had something that you could mod and then you could just do so much with. And that's true of the Vita as well. But one of the things that I remember being just wowed by, and you may remember if you ever played a PSP, maybe not you, Chris. I don't know if you ever played a PSP. I did. Um, I had the Darth Vader one. Okay, so you may remember that certain games had custom boot things that were like specific to that game. I think Prince of Persia was one of them. There's a few where like it was the same boot, but they would change something within it, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. It's like, oh, this is like an Easter egg for the game. Uh, but because of that, that meant that every game had an e-boot uh, .pbp file or whatever the hell it was called and you could change that uh, on your system side and tell it to just always play from this one and so you could set up different boot ups and there was just a lot of cool ones that people created that you could put in kind of like themes where you could create your own themes and upload them um, that technically it's like I get weird memories when I hear certain sound effects because they're all tied to my memory of the PSP and all the different games and shit that I did on that system. I mean, I, I really think the PSP was a uh, transformative period of my life, definitely for my interest in tech. So, good. Good answer. Do you have Big one more PSP you wanted to go guy. through? Mm. No. I mean, there's always something going to be something classic with the, like, turning on the Game Boy and the, like, little shot or whatever it was. You know what I mean? The little, like, the little... Jingle, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It's cool. I, I can't I think, think of too many. I think part of it is that we have to be more removed from some of them. Like we're not removed enough from the PS4 to where the... Or like PS3 is still good. The... Yeah. Solid. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty nice one. I like that one. Uh, but you know, I'm, as much as I love those, I'm also a big fan of trying to make that stuff as minimal as possible. And it's weird because it makes it better in the moment to get into the game and have less fluff that's trying to pull you away and identify as an adult when I don't have as much time and I'm just wanting to play the game. But I think for nostalgia's sake, the lack of as clear branding and and stuff that they used to do does kind of mean that like in 20 years... My the way I remember the PS5 won't really be in line with the way I remember the PS1, PS2, PS3, Dreamcast, the GameCube, any of that, because they've moved away from some of those staples. Kind of like you talked about the idea of most gaming companies have moved away from a mascot. Like when you see Crash Bandicoot, it doesn't even matter that he's multi-platform now. When you see Crash Bandicoot, you think of PlayStation. When you see Spyro, you think of PlayStation. When you see Mario, you think of Nintendo. And yeah, when you see Kratos, you think of PlayStation. And when you see... It's, it's a different way, though. I don't feel like they're as tied to the identity of the system as they used to be. And that changes the way that the nostalgia feed of that image feels to you. And I guess you know, he asked if I miss them. I think I do... Part of me likes the the utilitarian nature of where consoles are at now. And part of me misses the more branded iconic aspects of them that you could immediately see or hear and go, yes, that puts me in a time and place. Yeah. One more question before Velvet's Corner. 
Oh, Rude cool. Days ninety three, another longtime listener, longtime patron, just like Judy. He says, knowing Sony Bend is working on a multiplayer project, seeing glimpses of Haven and Firewalks projects, and knowing what we know about what other games Sony first party studios are working on. What's your gut feeling on the future of Sony's games? Excitement, intrigue, worry, some other smart sounding word? <laughs> um, for me personally, I think it's a bit of a misnomer to say that Bend is making a multiplayer game. That was my first thing. I, th- I think it's clear that they're making a new IP and a game that includes multiplayer. Yeah, I- exactly. It's like, I don't think I would sit here and say that you know, Infinity Ward is making a multiplayer game. I think they're making a game with multiplayer that, you know, has a single player campaign. And that's probably what this is going to be. It reminds me of if, I don't know, if um, Days Gone had had a team deathmatch mode, we wouldn't call that a, a multiplayer game. Call you wouldn't it call it a multiplayer project. Multiplayer project sounds more like what like Black Ops 4 was, where it's like an, an, a completely, <laughs> fumbled over that word, but completely multiplayer game. You know, it's fully online, no single player aspect at all. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's just I don't know. I'm not worried about. I've I've been pretty clear. I'm not worried about Sony's future. I think it. I have to see it, and that doesn't mean I won't be disappointed in Sony's future. But I'm willing to hold out hope that just because they say that these games are games as a service doesn't mean that I'm getting a bunch of battle royales. Mm, interesting that you immediately went negative, though, because to be fair, I mean, he said, what's your gut feeling on the future? Excited, intrigued, worried, and you immediately wor- went to worried. Is that because of the discourse you think from other people in the gaming stuff yeah, around it? or I, I think the vast majority of people are worried. Just like today, going on, I don't know if you noticed it, but going around Twitter, um, Knockout City is dead. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the sentiment around that was not, I had fun with Knockout City because nobody played Knockout City. It was well, Sony should be paying attention to this. It's like why <laughs> you don't know what they're doing. You know, I, I can't keep I harping did see on the- one person, Gideon on gaming, and this might be what you're talking about. The reason he he said he wished Sony would have done the same with uh, Blood. What was that game? Star Blood Arena or whatever it was Blood called. Hunt the Masquerade. No, no, it was a. Uh, it was that. I think it's called Star Blood Arena. Yeah, Star Blood Arena. That's what it was called. I don't know what that is. So it was, let's see, what they, a futuristic flight combat shooter developed for use with the PlayStation VR headset. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, I saw he posted that he went that be, somebody posted that Knockout City uploaded a version of the game that has private servers. So it's not linked to theirs. You can create your own servers and host your own mm-hmm. games. And it includes a bunch of things like bots and stuff that weren't in the original game so that the game lives on in some capacity that you can, can kind of control the destiny on. And I saw him say that he wishes Sony would have had the foresight to do the same with Starblood arena and say like, you know, we don't want to support it anymore, but we'll put a final update that says you can, host servers in whatever capacity that you see fit you know we're going to go peer to peer where we don't have to worry about anything on our side but you can still play the game online um is that kind of what the conversation was around no it was just around that they don't work basically it was more about the fact that the game was dead not about the fact that it was living again or any of that so that was my thing i feel like there's a lot of doom and gloom around the idea of 
the games as a service future. And to me, that 60-40 split is a lot more of like God of War is just just is, you know? And I don't think these games are just going to be, if that makes sense. So I'm I'm optimistic about the future. I don't know if I'd know what you mean. So you're saying God of War just is. You're saying like the type of game that is still happens and still no. goes on? Or what do what you mean? What I mean is you buy God of War Ragnarok and you play it in 2022 and I buy it in 2025. We play the same game. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like and it I doesn't think, somehow evolve down the line. Correct. And I think that's what they're quote unquote getting away with. Or yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I'm moving towards or getting away from. That's what I was trying to say. I, I think that oh, they're okay. getting so away from the that, static product. Yeah. I for you. the most part, but there's, they're still going to exist. So. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Um, I'd say excited is hard because I'm not much of a multiplayer person, but we also don't have much that we can look at over. Like what we have right now is a, is a concept and a and an idea and a dream from Sony about what they're moving toward. But I don't think we have a lot of tangible product that we can make an actual observation about that concept and dream. Mm-hmm. We're not there. So I'd say because I'm someone who is not as immediately driven toward multiplayer, but definitely will interact with it here and there. Um, worried is far too strong of a word. I don't I wouldn't say I'm worried. I am I think intrigued is probably the closest. I am curious to see how much of their games stay within the identity they've had for the past, you know, five console generations up until this point where it's very single player story driven and whatnot. And how much of that 40% is that? How much of that 40% is still single player but plays around in an odd way in ways that you haven't seen Sony do in a while? And then the other part of me is what is that 60%? what are those games when when Herman Hulse talks about there being a big difference in the scale and scope and style of service for each of these games, what does that actually look like? Uh, so intrigue is a really strong word that I think really works well for this. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to see what comes of it and embrace it with open arms, even though I'm also clearly I can observe that it, could end up being not for me right this could be catastrophic but i'm willing to wait because my definition is broad now do you mean for you or catastrophic for playstation Both. just out of curiosity i mean Both, it could be because, either because the thing is yeah, of course as all things can be right you have to think that some of these games are not going to hit which means that I think that's where the argument and don't wrong the way it's being talked about on twitter is probably not done in a very um, in a way that's willing to have discussion around it. But I think some of what's happening with Knockout City is that it does highlight the fact that there is only so much, so much room in each section of the market. And that if you're not careful, you push out a bunch of products that might in the long run eat each other. Just by like by nature of a couple having the staying power to stick around, the rest of them will eventually have to fall by the wayside. You're muted. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I saw that little goddamn it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
you know, Concord and Fair Games both being shooters, you know, there can only be so many people playing those shooters along with Fortnite, along with Call of Duty, along with Halo, along with Apex, you know what I mean? Along, 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 along. So the more of these things that come out, the more the more something's going to have to give. But who knows? I think, again, it's just a matter of seeing what happens. I'm not feeling very much doom and gloom. Well, I have two questions that are kind of just of my own curiosity here. First and foremost, do you think that Sony's move into this came as a result of crossplay being pushed out to where now there's a chance that some of the biggest games could over time shift their player base off of Sony or off of systems where Sony stands to make the most money. So therefore their way of counterbalancing that is making sure they get into that same industry in such a way that player base shifting between the other games can't negatively impact them as strongly. Is that kind of where you think that this is even coming in from? Or do you think that this is just like, yeah, this is what the industry is doing. We want to be part of that too. Like, do you think it was more, I guess both are future proofing, but do you think it was future proofing from a fear aspect or future proofing from like a, we see an interesting world in this? No, I think it's just they, they saw how much money Fortnite makes. Well, the reason I say that is because the difference for someone like Epic, mm-hmm. who makes Fortnite, and Activision, who make Call of Duty and all the money <clears> that's <throat> tied into those, is that they're not hardware manufacturers. They don't have yeah. a storefront. And if they do, it's a computer one that is competing against Steam constantly. Um, So when I look at it, the difference between them and Sony is that Sony makes money regardless, as long as you're playing that game on PlayStation and spending money within it. 30% of the money. Exactly. And that's kind of what I mean. Like, is it... Now that crossplay has been pushed and we know that Sony's worry for crossplay was how is it going to impact their money, do you think part of that answer was like, well, we have the answer that we saw in court where they still make a certain amount of money regardless because of contractual agreements that have to be signed for crossplay. But secondarily, did it come from like, okay, if a game can really move, then why don't we just get into it as well? And the reason I say that is because like the chances seem low obviously but arguably speaking if sony really nailed it just perfect right they put out a game it's it's an impossibility but in this impossibility let's discuss the weird crazy chance that sony's game one of sony's games as a service title kills fortnite or basically (laughs) makes fortnite Uh into again ridiculous concept but let's just go through the thought process I hear you. Okay, continue. I guess it benefits Sony because they're making more money from that, but in the long run, they're killing a revenue stream they didn't even have to really do much for. So that's where my brain is like, huh, from a business aspect, I wonder what the primary fuel, like what was the, I'm sure that the real answer is a mix of a bunch of things, how much money's in the industry in that, uh, future-proofing because it might be where games go as a whole, which I don't think is true. I think games will still always have a good, and maybe where AAA goes, that's what I'll say. And it may be that indie continues to do more of you know what we used to consider AAA games. Um, but uh, yeah, so what was the main driving? What was the real thing that kind of broke the camel's back? Where they're like, we got to go ahead and do this. Like this is the all of them are reasons, but this is a reason that we really clung to. Is okay, we got to push forward and do this. Um, 
So, secondary question. Okay. Um, dang it. Where was it at? Okay, so, hold on. Give me uh, a second. Let me, let me answer go the ahead. first yeah, question. Um, I, I think the answer to the first question is really simple. If Sony looks at the books and goes, wow, we just got to check. This is, again, hypothetical. We just got to check for $30 billion from Epic. Right? Yeah. They go, that means we lost $70 billion. Yeah. That's that simple. <laughs> they're, they're hoping one of these games, I mean, and they're hoping one of these games gets to a level where they're raking in money, but they're <clears throat> probably also hoping that a bunch of these games combined equals Fortnite. You know? Yeah. All, you know, fair games and Concord and Destiny and Twisted Metal and MLB, all five of those games put together, you know, maybe that's a hundred million dollars a year, a hundred billion dollars a year. I doubt it, but you know, in terms of the hypothetical situation, I think that's what you're looking for. I don't think they're looking for a Fortnite. I think they're looking for a sum total of Fortnite. It's it's Moneyball to a T. You know what I mean? Yeah. He gets on base. It's that simple. We're not trying. <laughs> we're not trying to replace Giambi. We're trying to replace his on base percentage. And what does David Justice do, Brett? He gets on base, Brett. Have you not seen the movie? I know. I've seen the movie. <laughs> you just. You, I, I'm surprised you're driving this particular analogy home. I mean, it's a it's fitting perfect. One, I <laughs> it's the perfect analogy because the thing that they're looking for is a bunch of a bunch of games to not be as successful as Fortnite but the sum of their parts to equal Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. I can't I mean I I I see what you mean but it feels like they're spending more money to reach that point than the no work that they have to get to get to the 30 billion but both are nice because then it's a revenue stream both ways. Sure but, but that's You kind of bring me go ahead. That's kind of the thing with I'm getting into metaphors again, but like my old job, the biggest. Is way it another they, Brad Pitt one? <laughs> no. All right, so think think about it like Bullet Train. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could work that in. No, but when so in that movie, right? They're on the train, and they've already they've but it actually works. They've already paid for the ticket, right? Yep. So once they pay for the ticket, everything else is gravy. It doesn't really work. So I'm going to go back to my original metaphor, but. My old job had an arcade, and the big thing I remember them talking about is they spent like $10 million putting the arcade together, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they paid the $10 million, and from then on out, it's free money. You know, video games is slightly different because they're going to have to pay server upkeep and all this kind of stuff, but they never have to invest that huge lump sum again. So, so I mean that's true of all things, right? Because you, you have to upkeep the arcade that you're talking about. So the, metaf- the metaphor tracks. It's just, yeah. do you have to uh, pay someone else to do that, or do you pay within your own company to do that? You know, I guess in terms really of in terms of that, it's a matter of like, okay, here's the y- y- every night the arcade makes twenty grand, so you're keeping let's say nineteen of it, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to. You're not renting any of that, and that's I think the same thing. Yeah, there's that big lump sum at the beginning, but once Haven's game is out. Outside of the, the maintenance of it, it's free money out of that, after that. And it's 100% going to you, unless they're yeah. you know, on Steam or whatever. So you bring me to my second question, though. And this is an interesting one. 
when you talk about a market where undoubtedly some of them are going to have to miss for the other ones to stick well enough to be worth the the maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which eventually something becomes not worth the maintenance, right? I mean, like that is what happened with um, Knockout City. Sure. It's probably it's what it's what happened with Vampire the Masquerade, you know, the Bloodlines, whatever. Um, so when you look at those things, eventually enough of them are going to hit a point where they're not worth supporting anymore. So you just have to be like, okay, we're going to reach end of support. The problem, not problem, the curiosity that I have within that is how does Sony adjust their own internal measure of what is considered successful enough to where the, when they're all releasing similar products in a similar market that could end up kind of, I, I think, cannibalizing is a really strong word for that, but it's probably the closest I can really think of is if you release a lot of games into that marketplace and eventually they start to cannibalize each other. Does Sony view the ones that died as failures? And then if they do, how does that change the approach of how they work with the studio that designed the game that didn't stick at the top floating, you know, like the games that sink, what are they? Are they failures across the board are they only failures if they just don't make enough money in the long run to recoup development and make some money before they sink? Like, and then at what point does Sony use that information of how they choose to determine what is successful and what's not to determine which studios to keep and which studios to let go since they've went ahead and made the investment to buy them rather than letting them stay third party, which we've all, we've talked about why they would do that. But how do you think that that goes about them evaluating their internal studios on that side because single player will still maintain the easier to understand single player it either sold or it didn't yeah um again i think it all just comes down to cost you know if fair games is making money with a thousand players cool but i don't know that that's a success i i don't know i don't know how to really gauge it man it's hard yeah, that I think is the strongest question that people have over games moving toward this is that games that are completely free to play, let's let's say that. If these are all free to play, that becomes that question. The secondary option is for them to do the uh up until recently the bungee route, uh, mm-hmm. or even really right now what is still the bungee route, really, and that you pay for it. And then you can also spend microtransaction money because you, you may get to play Destiny 2 free now, but they just went the MMO route where it's like, well, you can play the base game for free and then you can buy every expansion and you buy the expansion to continue playing new content and you can continue to give us money for microtransactions if you're feeling that. Yeah, feeling um, randy. Yeah, so it's like, are they looking at that? Are they looking at like, you know, GTA 5 where it's like, yeah, you bought the game and then you also spend a bunch of money on shark cards, but the game was successful in obvious measurement before we ever even start to look at what we made from the online component. And I could see where people's worries are for that because we've seen a lot of studios get closed for a lot of reasons. And sometimes when it's not clear to the consumer why something may not be considered successful enough, that only gets even more muddied when free-to-play games enter the thing. And it's a little less clear... Free to play is a little bit better than like uh, Game Pass. I think Game Pass is really hard because you pay for you're not even paying for that game or playing. It's just about engagement. 
And so you go like, well, how do they determine what amount of engagement is enough to be like, well, this was a good addition to that service? And I think where people look at PS Now, it's the same thing. We're like, well, at what point does PS Now or Game Pass or services like that hit a point where it's difficult to understand the true value that that brought to the service? Thankfully, free-to-play games are easier because people play them, and then you know that they enjoy it by spending money within that game. Yeah. But if a game that you would have otherwise paid for hits a, f- a service that you pay for a subscription. Um, so all those kind of meld together. And what happens to the metric of success to where people can understand? And I guess the second question is, should people even worry about it? <laughs> should people worry about the metrics of success? We do because we have skin and the things that we enjoy and we want them to do well. And we want to be able to tell that they're doing well. But and there are a lot of value to just not worrying about it and be like, I enjoyed the game. If it didn't succeed, oh well, I had a good time. It depends, right? Because you know, I've heard this argument a lot before, but the thing is if all of these are successful and Sony is making, you know, buku bucks off it, the reality is, and that we would hope, right, is oh shit, now they have a bunch more money to invest in. I don't know, acquisitions, new teams, new games. So the reason that you would want this stuff to be successful is because the more money Sony brings in, the more I, okay. Ideally, the more they spend on games, you know, what does a game, uh, a naughty dog game, buttressed by an extra billion dollars a year from in Sony's pocket look like, right? Does that I mean have, right? But then, what does the development time for that game look like? <laughs> sure, but that's one of those things, right? Maybe yeah. The Last of Us Two is the same game, but the budget is two hundred million dollars because they've have a hundred extra devs who make that a two-year cycle rather than a five-year cycle. Dude, I would love for that to be the case. It won't happen that way. That's not how video games work. But you understand what I'm saying is there's a lot of ways that that money can be spent that we don't see. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I I think across the board, and and you made me kind of just really reevaluate why Sony did it. I think the actual reason why Sony did this is single-player games are a splash, and that means that you only make money when you have the single-player out, and you hope it does well for a longer tail, and games seem to be having longer tails than they were um, you know, a decade back uh, when it felt like the game either succeeded or failed immediately, and then it kind of just didn't go on from there. Well, Grand, I mean, Grand Theft Auto V, I think, goes to show that games have such crazy tails now that you can't really judge games that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really, I, I'm assuming what it really is for Sony is, hey, we can spend money to put out games, and once these games are out, we have products that are evergreen, like what like what Destiny Two is for them now. Like we're we're consistently making money off of Destiny Two and MLB the Show and whatnot while we wait for the next big AAA single player crazy cinematic game. So I can see that. Uh, but Chris, I think it's time for us to scoot on into the Velvet's Corner. How do you feel? Horny. <laughs> you feel horny? It's, it's been four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Chris? Maybe we can fix that real quick by going into... Oh, yeah. 
But oh, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna make one critique on the theme song. The more I yes. hear it, I think you need like one more second of beat. Okay. I can play, I can make that happen. Play it one more time, you'll hear what I'm saying. Okay, ready? You see what I'm saying? He's that one more. Okay. I'll see if I can make that happen just for you, Chris. All right. I appreciate that. Just just for you. I won't leave you on edge. I won't leave you edging. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's a release at the end, it's okay. Yeah, it's got to resolve. Yeah. Um, all right. So this week's Velvet's Corner, and as you may know, this is why we have timestamps, which I'm pretty sure Chris has forgotten again today, but that's okay. We'll thousand percent. It. I'm not in a headspace, dude. I'm sorry. It's been a long couple weeks. Useless. I'm kidding. Apologies. Um, but yes, this is this is where we get to the ridiculous part of the show, where Velvet asks a video game infused question that is always very odd and creative and we get to answer with crazy answers uh so if that's not your bag and doesn't sound like you're bad hopefully we'll see you next week you'll come back around if you are new to the show we hope you enjoy it uh like we said if you get a chance to rate the show please consider doing so uh review the show if it lets you do so as well we'd love to hear what your thoughts are uh follow us on twitter at triangle sqrd Hit us up on the Facebook group, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast, or join that Discord in the description below where it's linked. Uh, But the Velvet Corner this week, Brett and Chris become favorites, and it's that European spelling where they put U's and shit that don't need U's. (laughs) (laughs) I joke. Anyway, he says, uh, Brett and Chris become favorites at the strip club due to their signature move, the hundred hand butt slap. Unfortunately, during one of Brett's patented gimp crab walks, he has a devastating accident that destroys every part of his body. Since they live in a country without universal health care, they must seek help on the black market. The only procedure that they can afford is a full-body console replacement. Each part of Brett's body must be replaced with a gaming console. Due to compatibility issues, they can't use the same console twice, but they can use any peripherals that they like. So, Brett, I think I've been thinking about this. I think we do it this way. I think we each, rather than trying to build our own Brett, we collaborate on on one Brett. Okay, that, that's okay. cool. I'm good with that. Okay. Right. So, so I'm gonna I'm I have an easy one to knock out that I think is a really easy solid starting point. We can go from there. Okay. All right. So we're sticking with consoles, and maybe the Meta Three would be the better answer since it's got color pass through for its camera. Uh, but for right now, if we're talking about things that are currently released, PSVR two as my eyes and head for the most part like you know makes sense because there's a pass-through camera so mm-hmm. therefore i can see and it makes more sense than using like two eye toys or psis or any of the other weird two connects <laughs> so it's <laughs> and, funny and it sounds like i can't use duplicates of things maybe i can use duplicates of peripherals but i want to go clear. by saying it's not clear but i'm going to go ahead and say we won't worry about that psvr2 head so it's funny because my big one was also the head, right? So let me pitch you mine, and we'll see how we. Is feel. it the Virtual Boy? And it I see is the me. Virtual Boy. <laughs> I see red and black. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hundred percent where I was going. Was straight up the Virtual Boy. Or we I could make, know. or because it's a full on head, or we could no. I got a better one. So. <gasps> 
Let me see if we're going to say the same thing. Rob the robot. Rob. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's Rob yeah, the robot. As soon as I thought Vulture, uh, Virtual Boy, I was like, wait a minute. Yep. Nintendo like, solved on. this for me. I have this amiibo. You're just going to be Rob the robot. It's perfect. I can, Velvet's Corner is over. Sorry. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right. To get a little more abstract with it and not use the cheat out that is Rob, which is clearly the answer. It's the right answer. <laughs> So we're, we're going to go a little different because the first thing that came to my mind is what the fuck do you do for hands? It was like my first thing. Cause like feet, you can use pretty much anything. You can use like a, a, a PS2 slim and I, I know feet. it and it's a cheat, but I know it. I figured it out too, or at least my version of it. Cause I think it would work well enough. Let's find out if we're the, cause I, I don't the same have way. actual, oh my I God. don't have actual fingers anymore. Right. We're at the but, fucking, we're going to say the same thing. You have a on one one hand is a DS, the other hand is a DSI. <laughs> so I was going to say a 3DS. Okay, yes, that was perfect. exactly it because it's the only thing I can think of that you can clamp around something. Exactly. So yeah, I was thinking that clamshell that or Game Boy SPs. I mean, it's it, it could be any mix of them. But I thought, yeah, that that little clamp design would work really well. Because the way I view it is like I open it with the other one, like I just jam the one DS into the other to flip it open, and then I slide that underneath whatever I'm trying to pick up, and then I use the other hand to like flip the lid down and hold pressure on it while I lift it up. I mean, mm. seems workable. If I'm having to go to an entire body full of consoles, there could be worse hands, right? I think we can all agree on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's better hands. I don't know that there is better hands. PS moves. How do I grab stuff with it? Unless now, if we get into a weird thing where like peripherals, the functionality of the peripheral works in our world. Yeah, <laughs> which is a lot. That's that's a cheat code if there ever was one. Because then, yeah, the PS moves. I could just well, how do I pull the trigger? Just smack the other one underneath it, and then I can telekinetically pick stuff up with that and move my hand around. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Because you still have to interact with the peripheral, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think would have good hinges for like elbows and shit? And how are you connecting them? Like I have to assume that like hinges are part of this. It's just your right? whole arm is made out of DS models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the DSI, the DSI My XL is your biceps. Is- <laughs> And you power them all with just an endless string of link link cables that are just Dude, all it's perfect. Yeah, that's the like my is, that's like my veins. Could you survive as like a Rayman type being? So you don't oh. even need to have arms. You just have the DSs that are just floating in space. Mm, yeah, but then how do we get DSs that float in, in space on this budget that we're clearly working on? I don't know. My big thing. So in terms of your torso, yeah. I'm thinking OG Xbox because it's girthy. Mm, okay. Okay. Mm. I, You know, I don't think that there is a better answer for that. Okay. Someone give it to you. As for one obvious part, I've got to have, I, I got to have a pecker. And it seems like the easiest, move. most obvious solution for the pecker is just to get a joystick. Move. No, Atari move. 2600. Yeah, but then you've got the whole rest of it. Yeah, that's that's like you know how like your stuff goes back to like your you know your your skin around there. The that's gooch. like the base. 
<laughs> that's your base. But and now I don't have all that skin that kind of like protrudes out whenever I eat too much. I'm just saying you know, for years of my life and suddenly way too much. You know, so now I don't even have to do that move where you pull the skin back. <laughs> but that's small. That's a small joystick. You can have that like a, a small. Sh- it's you know what it is he he said console you, you remember those old spongebob direct plug into tv plays where his nose was the analog stick that's it that's it fuck couldn't that just be your face <laughs> it could be so hear me out though playstation moves right but mm-hmm. turned around moves yes moves you put two of them together and then the balls are facing inwards (laughs) so you (laughs) you have a shaft and nut that's true the the atari 2600 i would have a shaft and and a a moving shaft of that but i'd have no i have no balls without that's the thing without balls you live in a cursed life that's like my first thought like, GameCube. how do you poop? And do I even need to? That's GameCube. the other question. GameCube. Perfect answer. Well, do I need to excrete? Yeah, 100%. What am I excreting in, in this console-fueled body? Would my excretion not just be... <laughs> all the all the grease that's in between, like, all the peripherals and stuff for them to be able to oh, move over this is time? easy. Peripherals, right? It's a peripheral? Yes. yes. So... Your ass is just a cooling fan from inside a PC. <laughs> and that's you can fart and everything. It's perfect. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like nice. that. God, you're nice. like you're like we're building you in Zelda. That's what it sounds like right now. As that is, yeah. It sounds so, like you're trying What about Okay, legs? so that was my other like so legs. Do we think we're gonna have to try and go with one console for because I'm thinking like OG PS2 is a good length. Like I'd be mm. a little shorter. PS5. Like, oh, PS5 is longer. That's and they're long, kind of girthy. That's a long girthy boy. You'd have some chunky ass thighs. They're a lot deeper. So it's like I would, I would my legs would be big. Yeah. But they but would be tall enough. At this point you'd be an androgynous robot, so you could just be like I'm a girl, I got thick thighs, baby. <laughs> thick thighs save lives. That's true. Thick thighs do save lives. The problem though with that But I can't use two. That's so what I was going to say. The cheat code, is cheat two. code, disc edition, non-disc edition. I like that. That's, that is a You're cheat right? code. I get the digital, I get the digital, and I get yeah. the, the disc version. Yeah. Mm. Game Boys? So where are the Game Boys coming into play? Like, okay, hold knees. on. There, there's there's got to be a peripheral in life that that is your knee. That's actually, it, my first <clears> thought was, what could act as like a kneecap? Yeah, what like peripheral exists? your kneecap. Wait, do you? I, I've got. The, do you remember the PS4, Chris? You've got a computer in front of you. Do you remember the Dragon Quest PS4 slime controller? No. That would be my knee. Okay. You should look it up. Dragon it's a, Quest. It's, it's a slime drop from Dragon Quest. It released. Hori released it in P, in Japan, and it's yeah. a slime. And when you pick it up. It's a contr- it's a dual shock. That's terrible. Oh, it looks incredibly uncomfortable. That looks like shit. I would never want to play with that. But Hori made it. See, it's horrible. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, so here's my thing. I feel like that is a perfect 
perfect use case for something else, that's what your cum looks like now. Oh my god. <laughs> Why do I cum? <laughs> well, we gave you balls. You might as well use them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And they glow. They do glow. When you're that's turned on, nice. it's like red. <laughs> When it's cold out, they're blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they go in a little when bit. It's, when it's been a few weeks, <laughs> they're blue. <laughs> Hold on. So what pleasures me? Um, every, Is that? Every time you plug in a USB-C to charge, to charge the move <laughs> controllers. It's just, it's like a, it's like a let off valve where I'm pulling in too much electricity. So I got to uh, get like, a little oh, bit out. Oh baby, I got to dock. I want to dock right now. <laughs> oh my God. If you, I don't know if you know what docking is. I know exactly what docking is. I do not like that. Let's not talk not about like that, that one. Sam, I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hold on, we got to keep going here. Mm. So legs, we got the legs figured out. So what about the bottom? What about my shins? Oh, see, I was thinking PS5 for full leg. Oh, no, there's no way, man. The PS5 would be the upper part, be my thigh. So then, no, I take it back. I take it back because this way we don't have to to really cheat. We go one leg is the PS3 grill and the other leg is the PS3 slim. About the same size. That's the same cheat code of a disc and non-disc. They're two different consoles. Yes, so is that. They have two different SKUs. Sure, sure. Came out at the same time, so I I feel as though they'd be disqualified. Personally, I feel as though they're disqualified hmm. because oh, this, I've got it. I, I know how I'm stimulated. Oh God, yeah, tell me. I gotta have my my butt. We were talking about having to have a butt. I figured that it's not the fan. It's a Vita with the touchpad sticking out, so that whenever I <laughs> whenever I need to get. T- <laughs> Whenever I need to get a checkup, the back touch. You're like, oh, <laughs> you just you just stick your finger on the touchpad, and you go, "That's a good pressure," and that's how I get yeah. my prostate exams moving forward. So I make sure I don't get any prostate cancer. What's my don't, prostate? Don't you know where a robot's G spot is? <laughs> it's on my touchpad. <laughs> yeah, I like that, and okay. that is how I. That's why I get joy and I excrete. I excrete whatever I like the, the slimes, the slime control. <laughs> That's vile. Also, That's a gross thing you said. <laughs> you brought it up. I'm just kind of playing the rest of the way out. Yeah, but okay. Let's see what we got figured out. Worse. We've got hands. We've mm-hmm. got a head. We've got a torso. We've got legs. I feel comfortable with the legs. Uh, I've got a pecker and balls, and I've got a butthole. So, Chris, we continue. What are my bottom? What are the bottom parts of my legs now? Your feet, you mean? No, like what are my what are my shins? Um, like what what is, what's the bottom half of my leg? Let's work this out. It's so this might be cheating, but I actually think it's okay because it comes this way. So it's we're gonna take, um, you know, like those. How, hun- hold on, hold can on, it? Can gonna- it? There, well, there's two bones. I just want to make sure. Do I have to have the tibia and the fibula? Like, do I have, or can one piece just be the no, whole bottom? No, we're going part? one piece. Love one, one piece. piece. <laughs> um, Continue. So we're going to cheat a little bit, but I think this is fair because it technically is one peripheral. So we're going to take, you know, those buck hunt guns that you see at bars. Those are your legs. Player one and player two. Nice. Yep. 
I figured why does this feel out. like I'm playing a weird version of Bug Snacks, where instead of your <laughs> arms and limbs become what you eat, it's just like they become what you've played in life? Yeah. Like this is this is your Octo Dad. It's like a new game where you have to blend in as a family man, but you're just a bunch of consoles. <laughs> <laughs> so my brain, because I got to tie a brain into this thing. Forty ninety. Right? <laughs> now I was gonna say I like the idea of the Dreamcast somehow just in my head, and on the backside is where the disc drive is, so that you can put in the 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 Internet Explorer disc. But and what I have to change everything because I thought of a better f- head. Oh, oh God, what is it? To you, draw touchpad. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you can, <laughs> you can draw expressions on it. That is pretty good, <laughs> and there is an entire warehouse full of them. Exactly, you could have those, and then copies of ET as your fingers. <laughs> Okay, okay. That's finalized though. Is it feet? Is what it, are we doing with feet? No, nothing, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that earlier. We did. Judy. Um uh, iPads, well, there's multiple iPads. parts of the head. To be fair. You know, I mean there's multiple what, PSPs. Well, that's a PSPs, lot of weight. That's a lot, it's of, a lot weight. of weight. It's a lot of weight for that's a lot of weight for iPads, to be fair. Per per foot though, they're flat. That's the thing. They're flat and big, so you'd have a lot of you know spatial coverage as you're trying to walk. You have pressure. You have all that weight of the of the system. <laughs> you have all the weight of those systems on top of them, and um, <laughs> gravity, the exertion of gravity. Yeah, something with a screen seems like a bad idea. Fair than Xbox Series X's. Series S's. They're smaller. I like that. Yeah, you like them petite feet. i mean i'm rocking like a size 13 right now which is not like the hugest foot in the world but it's not easy either you get two foot jobs at once so i feel like that's a pretty big foot um (laughs) (laughs) nothing like a good fj as sean said right (laughs) (laughs) the fact that he had that i was like how do you are like i guess it makes sense but you 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 just threw it out like you were customer like you were comfortable with it all right so what about dual senses (sighs) dual senses seem obvious because they connect you a little more into it (sighs) hmm Mm, well hold be, on though the i've got to get the hardest one i've got to get the vmu in somewhere that's my big concern the 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 dreamcast controller with the memory card with the screen on it i want that somewhere it's important what i've got yes. the answer yes continue you have one foot right but it's the tony hawk ride controller <laughs> <laughs> they're connected there yes it's yeah. perfect it's like super glued each leg onto it, so I have to like <laughs> exactly scoot. Yeah, you we, cut it in half so that it's like those robot feet that have got. Yes, it's perfect. Slot. The yes. Tony Hawk ride controller, I like. Yes, that one. the ride right. peripheral is good. That's very good. All right, hold on. We got. We got to see if we see if I can refresh. We've done good on remembering some of the odd gaming peripherals. I gotta know. If there's if there's one we've missed, we've done so good so far, but I've got to know, oh, the power glove could have been the hands. Oh, that's good, yeah. We remembered Rob and the Virtual Boy, and we completely missed the, the power, power glove? glove. How? Well, the problem is you'd only have one hand. I mean, 
Yeah, it's true. You can't. Well, he, again, he didn't make it clear if we can't repeat peripherals, just the consoles. Okay, then fuck it. We're going two two power gloves for hands. Two I power like gloves. Okay, Although I do um, like the idea of you just being a lobster. <laughs> so I've got the other though, right? Okay. So, you know, we talked about the Xbox being my torso. I think I'm going to go with that being like my lower like abdomen section of my chest. And then I want the the Diddy, the, the Donkey Kong drums from the Wii. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? It's Those like are going to be my, my boobs. Your yeah, going to be my titties. Your yiddies. Give me right, right. there. Mm, um, and that way you can beat on them, you know, as you do. All right. Um, oh, I remember this. Holy shit. There was a fishing rod for the Sega Dreamcast. That's your penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. It plugs in and it's like a reel. And you have an analog stick, and then whenever you catch the fish, you flick up on it, and you can really – that was cool. I really – I, damn. Damn. That's that's nice. Okay, what about the Resident Evil 4 chainsaw controller? Can that be one of my hands? That could be – I could have a power glove and then a chainsaw controller, and then I can be Fred Durst. You'd be hoping Ash. Hoping no, I pack a chainsaw. <laughs> You'd be Ash. I'm cool with that. I like it. I'm cool with that. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, man, Nintendo's really got a lot of those. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's let's keep thinking here. Um I, Do I want to have a connect somewhere? I feel like the answer is no. No. Mm. I don't think so. All right. So look, power glove hand on one. Uh I I'm going to be a left-handed power glove guy. I'm left-handed. I don't want to change that up. And then my okay. right hand will just become a permanent Resident Evil 4 chainsaw controller. All right. Um, a Steam Deck for this arm, for like the you know for like my my upper like my forearm. Project and Q Light for the other one. Yes, exactly what I was about to say. Q Light right here. And if we want to go off of something that's released, the fuck the Logitech Cloud Stream. The Aegis ROG. Sure. All right. Upper arms. Where where, where are we going in there? Game Gear. Sega Game Gear for the, the left if, upper arm. No, no, no. So the full upper body is a steel battalion controller. <laughs> what? I don't know if I know what you're talking about. Steel battalion? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> You've taught me something today, Chris. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Interesting. Okay. You can get a copy of that for that, fourteen hundred. But then that means I don't have my Donkey Kong Yiddies. No, that doesn't mean that. This is Do your upper body. This is your upper body. You know, I got you. And then those Donkey Kong Yiddies sit like right under right the, yeah. there. Yeah, that's like my, that's like my shoulders and clavicle, right? Exactly. There we go. I got you. Okay, and that, that's the connective tissue. Then I have my Donkey Kong Yiddies, so we're doing good so far. And then we go to the Xbox abdomen. What's my pelvis? <sighs> Wii U controller. Just a single Wii U controller. <laughs> yeah, I think it's perfect. <laughs> With so you know that that's the connective piece that holds my PS Move dick and balls, my <laughs> PS Vita, <laughs> my PS Vita sphincter. So what if we do like a switch, but with the an uh, joy the, the 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 thing that I have on it, so that it, mm. the, it's not Joy Cons. Hold on, hold on. 
Like the Hori split pad? Is that what you have? No, I have a better one. (laughs) Even better. All right, let's see what Chris is going to pull out of his backpack. But I think we're nearing the end of this insane thing. See? Yeah, that's that's, that's pretty much what mine are. Yeah. They're they're not the Hori ones, but they're kind of similar. Yours is a a whole slide in all all in one case, right? Correct. Holds holds the Switch games in the back. Pretty sexy. Mm. Daddy. Okay. What? So we we go from – so we go down there. I'm making sure I have all this right. We have a, a PS5 and a, a disk drive and a PS5 non-disc, or do we land on PS3 Super Slim PS3? I want to if I'm if I have a PS3 on me, I'm going OG PS3 on one side and then the Slim on the other. I'm fine. See, with but that. I was thinking that those two are the, about the same size, so it wouldn't be a disparity in your legs. So you want me to have a fucked up gait? Like you want me to walk with a? Yeah, it could be like a pocket. No, no, no. I was saying the slim and the grill ones are closer to the same size than the OG oh, and the slim. Oh, I got so what you, you mean, wouldn't yeah. have a gate. That's yeah, okay. I was looking out for you. Okay, I got you. I got you. Fine, I'll follow your your things. Okay, so my knees, you. my knees are Game Boy. Well, it can't be can't be two games. So, um, my PP could be the Game Boy Micro. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we got to think of clamshell design. Since we've moved away, we could do a 3DS and a DS. Uh, yeah. What, what, what were the what were the big DSs called? DS. No, the the DS XL. DSI XL. Yes. Okay. Regardless, we're gonna have a 3DS XL and a DSI XL, whatever it is, so that we have both is it the a big new 3DS size ones? or an old 3DS. So. Oh, mm. I, I like that extra nub for control. So I'm gonna go new mm. 3DS. New okay. 3DS XL. You've got and a those lot be, of that'll be of sensitivity on your body. I do. You got to have your erogenous zones. You can't lose them. <laughs> <you know>? Exactly. <laughs> the only downside is, can I graft like a, a Dual Shock Four and a Dual Sense into my Donkey Kong Yiddies so that I have areolas out of the touch pads? <laughs> See, but you wouldn't even need to do that because we're talking peripherals. You could just buy like sticks. I mean. Yeah, I guess. Depends on what I... But do, do I still want an areola for the rest of my yiddies? You know, it's like you can beat on my yiddies, but do I still want to be able to fill them? Yeah. You know? I guess at that point you go with like two old school mice, you know, the ones with like the little balls <laughs> the in them. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's like... It, it is weird that people don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. who are like five years younger than me. Yeah. To take like, it out and shake it because it wouldn't fucking roll like, properly. Bro. You had to like, you had to like scrape the dirt off of the internal rollers to get it. <laughs> yup. These are old times. Um, I feel comfortable with this and we've landed on, uh, going with the legs. What do we say? The bottom legs were, we landed on a series S. Yeah. No, those are your feet. Series S is my feet. No, the feet was Tony Hawk Rodboard. Oh, yes, correct. I agree. That's a better use. So we never so if have we shins. If we can't have two of the same thing as a shin, then, you know, hmm. Ooh, I got something for your ears. <laughs> okay. Um, the Xbox 360 Wi-Fi adapter. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. <laughs> Not a Pulse headset? <laughs> no, fuck that. That's lame. <laughs> It's, it works too well, damn it. We can't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. 
And do we land on my head being the Wii U? I, I like the drawing expressions onto your face. Do you draw? Good. Yeah, I'll, I'll take yeah, the, the, you draw. the you draw, not Wii U. But yeah, you draw. Well, Wii U honestly is also a good answer. It's not a bad answer, no. Okay, so if we can figure out these shins, we'll have it, and we'll be done. We can free ourselves from this mortal coil. <laughs> Switches, <laughs> Joy Cons, an OLED switch, and a, <laughs> and a normal switch. Yeah. There you go. That works. And then that makes my bottom legs detachable because I can just slide the Joy-Cons off. Like the, the Joy-Cons are what attaches it and you can just slide. Mm. Then I become a modular man. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can rebuild him. <laughs> <laughs> we have the technology. We do have the technology. Well, this has been a very interesting uh, Velvet's Corner. Uh, so with that in mind, I think that Velvet, I hope it was everything you wanted it to be. One of the strangest conversations I've ever had in my life, but also a lot of great gaming memories coming back into play. The the unlocking the core memory of the of the Sega Dreamcast fishing reel, dude. I'm gonna try and buy one and the fishing game that it worked with. <laughs> that sounds like a, a fun weekend. I don't even care if I play it once; it's worth the money. I agree. I'm gonna make that yeah. happen. Patreon funds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for it's funding that one, guys. All right, guys, that is the end of the one, the only, the sexy. Hopefully we'll see you next week if we didn't scare you off with all those weird conversations about uh, weird game body parts. But that was a pretty fun one. Velvet, I hope that you continue to come up with extremely odd but entertaining ideas to prompt the rest of a weird conversation and chris i hope that that fueled something for your new book that you're gonna write no (laughs) it'd be a horror it'd be like frankenstein in the modern day it would be something (laughs) it would be it would be something it would be so funny because every time you scream in pain, it's just like a 3DS turning on. <laughs> it's a little bling. Instead of my knees creaking like actual bones do, it's going to be like hearing the hinges creak as they get older. Yeah, over time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm. The great thing about if I graph the the DualShock and the DualSense in, uh, at least DualSense for sure, is that as you rub my touchpad areolas, I can moan with pleasure from the speaker. <laughs> Sir, you didn't need to say that. I needed to. It needed to leave my lips. That's fair. I'll let you have it. Yeah. But all right, Chris, thanks for joining me, buddy. Have a good week next week. We'll take a nice, uh, at this point, a deserved break. And we'll get to just enjoy all the, all the gaming news without having to feel like we immediately have to come back and do a podcast. But you know what, guys, if you want to hear our thoughts on all that, we will be back. So look for us. Uh, I guess we would be returning. Let's pull that calendar up real quick. We'd be returning on the 21st with an episode if we go back to our normal schedule of recording on Tuesdays. So without further ado, this has been Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> we'll see you not next week, but the next next week. Chris, enjoy the rest of Texas. Enjoy your flight home and getting back to your peeps. I can't wait. And I will. Yeah, I know. I know you can't. <laughs> and then you can enjoy your new schedule where you can play Diablo 4 all the time. Yes. It's going to be great. So it works. All right, guys. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Peace.
Shout out to our patrons, Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, Sean Easton, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Hammondegger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Brood Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, Sean Sandrude. Thanks to each and every one of you.